warning. Pop culture leftovers might not be suitable for people who can't handle insane amounts of profanity, so you might want to fuck off. Pop culture leftovers might take its time getting around to its advertised content as well. If this is a huge problem for you, then you too can fuck off. Pop culture leftovers typically has a long run time as well. If you can't handle a four to six hour podcast, then you probably won't like us, and you too can join the aforementioned cock thistles and fuck off altogether in unison. Others who may not be able to handle pop culture leftovers include children under the age of 14, if you regularly listen to NPR, are a pregnant woman that has spent most of your first, second, and third trimester looking at stupid shit on both Etsy and Pinterest, if you tuck in your t-shirts, if you use a Bluetooth headset in public, if you go to motivational speaking seminars, if you have life goals, if you have self-respect, if you have a heart condition, if you're a huge pussy, if you're a huge pussy with a heart condition, or if your name is Melvin, TFS706, or TJ Lamb. Everyone else, please enjoy. Episode 352. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about It's a trap. Good it, toss it, good it, do we love it? Hey, let's fix it, can't erase it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture, pushed over, pop culture. Leftovers. Uncool kids, what's to say has already been said. Leftovers. The only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. You're listening to the only podcast with the balls to bite a radioactive spider. It's Pop Culture Leftovers. Five, five, four, three, two, one. Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian. I'm a fucking leftover. Jake uh, had to move this weekend. He's not going to be joining. Uh, yeah, so uh, I'm. Uh, it's just it's just uh, going to be me and my friend Michael Winkler. Michael Winkler, welcome. Hey, what's up, Brian? How are you? I'm good. How are you? How are you? I'm not really good. I'll get into that bullshit. It's not oh, just. Shucks. It's not just us. Uh, see here. We're also joined from uh, uh, one half of the Smorgasbord podcast. Stephen Farshid, welcome. What's up, man? Thanks for having me. I really, really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. We had you on. Uh, you were our DC correspondent for DC Fandom. Had you on. Had a great time. Met you at C2E2. Wanted to have you on a regular episode. So, welcome. Well, I really appreciate it. Thanks, man. I'm excited. Let's get into this. <sighs> this one's going to suck, guys. Uh, I, <laughs> <laughs> I've had a headache all day. And I'm, I, I took a bunch of fucking pills just to get rid of this fucking thing. And it's gone, but now I have no feeling uh, in my body. <laughs> Dude, I, I, I took the over-under uh, uh, 15 and a half minutes before you say this is a terrible episode. And I actually took the over because I was feeling optimistic. But uh, I've lost that instantly within the first 10 seconds of this episode. Oh, man. Hey, are we gonna, am I going to con- get constant updates as, as for, for this bullshit <laughs> Throughout the entire oh, episode. Me, dude, me and Steven have a whole fucking. <laughs> you motherfuckers! <laughs> you motherfuckers! I'm just, I'm just, I'm just a fucking. I, 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 I'm just a mockery of a human being at this point. 352 episodes in, isn't that right? I'm just, a, I'm just a joke to you. Am I the Joe Pesci from Goodfellas to you? What the fuck? You can look at it as a joke, or you can look at it as a, as a, as a staple for us to to really count on. Uh. That's another way you can look at it. Yeah, I'm looking at the first way that second. 
kind of bullshit, but uh, <laughs> 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 hey, got 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 some announcements. Got some announcements. Uh, lost the podcast awards, probably by <laughs> by a mile. <laughs> Lost the, lost the pod. I want to thank everybody for nominating us, getting us into the nominations. And, and probably the real reason I think that I even did this is that it's always good to get your name out there with other podcasts on a list just to, just so you can be seen. Join, like, uh, sign up for every fucking podcast awards. You, you never know, you might get some new listeners out of it. But anyway, uh, we were going up against, I didn't know who we were going up against. And one of them was, uh, we got beat. We got beat. We got beat by a podcast that's run by this this guy, uh, Eric Nam. He's a K-pop star, and he does a TV oh, no. and film podcast. He's got one point five million followers on Twitter. How, how are we going to beat the Eric Nam K-pop star <laughs> extraordinaire? How the fuck are we? There's no way. There's no way. They sent out like the, the voting ballots to 5,500 random uh, podcast listeners. And uh, yeah, we got, I get, we got, we just got creamed. Dude, K-pop stands are some of like the biggest group like in the world. I know, and we got we just got destroyed. We got destroyed by this K-pop star. <laughs> and like, I, I yeah, you know, I fucking oh man, I do. I've been doing this for for nearly eight years, and this guy guy comes in does this show for one fucking year, less than a fucking year, just destroys us. Yeah, he has like Jeez. four episodes, doesn't he? I don't know. I don't know. I, I haven't listened to it. <laughs> Steven knows because he voted for him. Yeah. yeah I'm a yeah. huge K-pop fan. I mean, what, what, what else am I going to vote for? <laughs> you fucking traitor. Oh, man. <laughs> Have you ever seen some of those? Those are some gorgeous dudes. Oh, I'm sure they are. I'm sure. I'm not, I'm not like searching them out on Reddit or anything. I am, I, I, now I am. I'm missing as out. We, as we speak. I probably shouldn't be doing this as we're recording. This is odd. Why am I? <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. yeah. We might have to take a break here. Dude, he's just fucking Googling a bunch of fucking K pop people, man. Oh, I'm about the K pop. Oh, man. <laughs> my D's about to pop. Jesus Christ. Look at these boys. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Yeah, it'll, it'll it'll give you the the whap for sure if you if you search out those K-pop shows. There's, there's no uh, doubt about that. Yeah, K-pop K-pop makes me want to be fap. You know what? A, oh my god! That stands for Brian jerking off, basically. Um, yeah, I want to want to plug. Uh, I want to plug one of these fucking K-pop stars. Uh, no, I want to plug. That's- with my dick. Um, <laughs> I can't believe we got beat with this kind of shit, right? Yeah, exactly. Like with this content, how how are we now number one here? Guarantee Eric Nam's not talking about fucking me right now. Guarantee you. I don't know. After this, he might be. He might be. He might be. Um, I want to let everybody know. Scott Shooty on the Leftover Army podcast feed has been doing Spooky Fest, dropping a new episode of uh, uh of spook fest it, yeah sp- is it spooky fest yeah spooky fest where he talks about yeah. a different horror movie with guests 
every day. He and he's doing it for all thirty-one days in October, leading up to Halloween. Uh, I was actually on a few episodes. Winkler, you've been on quite a few, correct? Yeah, yep, I'm on every week. There you go. There you go. So, uh, yeah, just uh, look for the Leftover Army podcast feed on iTunes or or Spotify or I don't know if it's on Spotify, but just look. You can look for it there. You probably we won't find it. You can look for it. <laughs> I don't know. You want you want to waste a fucking good? I don't know. Five minutes. Go for it. <laughs> That's five minutes of your life you won't get back. You could have been looking at K-pop stars and jerk it off. <laughs> That's rewarding. But yeah, um, and then also if you're fucking uh, subscribing to the uh, Leftover Army podcast feed, why don't you listen to What's Your Story with uh, Lenny and Mark from the Nerdaholics podcast. They've been just interviewing everybody in the Leftover Army, and people have just been telling them their story. I, I've been listening to the Dan West episode. Is that a recent Love Dan West. It's a, it's one, it's within the last month, I believe. Yeah. Oh, I have to check that. Yeah, out. I think it was a couple ago. Yeah, I think it might have been August. But yeah, I was listening to that. Yeah, I'm listening to it. And you're finding out all these things. Some of these things I knew about Dan, but some of the things I didn't know. And then I'm just like, oh my God, Dan West, fascinating guy. Fascinating guy. Dan West is the closest, uh, living person to the Dos Equis. Uh, most, uh, what is it? The most interesting man in the world. Yeah. Dan West is like the closest thing to that motherfucker. Him and Jacob Harmon, I would say, are the closest. Jacob Harmon, just a, just a fucking enigma of a human. Same thing with Dan West. These people are just, I don't know, just amazing human beings. So, uh, yeah, listen to What's Your Story, hosted by Lenny and Mark and, uh, from the Nerdaholics podcast. It's great. I love it. And, and then we just got the announcement today after I talked last week about Johannes and Benja, uh, Benjamin Thomas doing that, uh, leftover after show. They're coming back. They're doing it. I don't know if it's going to be. Dude, I'm all about this. I'm all about this news. Yeah. It's called reheating the leftovers. Hey, Beautiful. nice. Beautiful. And it looks like it's good. I hope it's going to be on the leftover army podcast feed. So I'll keep everybody posted there. Winkler. But yeah, dude, I, I couldn't believe it that they're going <laughs> to. I couldn't believe it that they're coming back. That they're coming back. I was super excited. Super excited. Oh my god. I, I don't, I don't know what excites me more. That news or K-pop singers that I can jerk off to. Mm. Mm-mm. I don't know because like reheated leftovers are like, not only is that like a very fitting title and very witty and fun, but like, I do love some like reheated leftovers, bro. Oh. You big fan Some of like re- Chinese food? You like to reheat your fucking seafood? You big fan of reheating seafood? Oh no, seafood is mm. one of those like that you just don't save. Mm, love some. You don't doggy bag. You don't doggy bag your seafood, my friend. No, you gotta eat it at the restaurant. You got it. Or, or, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're you not get. taking a quarter of a lobster tail home. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, tacos too. Tacos, no bueno. The next no. day. Oh yeah. Oh, it's God. like, do you want me to wrap these up for you, sir? Oh yeah, that, that'd be great. So then by the time I dive into them tomorrow, the corn tortilla is broken in half. Yeah. yeah make sure you give me a side of these soggy ass tortilla chips too while you're at it. Ah, <laughs> oh, soggy ass tortilla chips. I hate that shit. Oh, also the name of a K-pop band. <laughs> <laughs> and also the name of a podcast that probably beat us in an awards. Um, <laughs> Did you see it? This came from MSN.com, Winkler. Taco Bell is removing even more menu items. Dude, 
I, 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 what is going on? Here? What the fuck? Because last time we spoke about this, they were removing only the potato items. No, no, it's Come not. Come to find out. Yeah. Last week I went and I was just trying to get a nice value menu, double stack taco. Gone. Removed. I said, hey, where's my dollar tacos, bro? Dude, who's running Taco Bell? A bunch of cunts? A bunch of cunts running Taco Bell? What's going <laughs> Fucking on? Fucking diabolical. <laughs> Fucking diabolical cunts. I can't believe it. Listen to this. They're cutting all items made with shredded chicken and what? and the Mexican pizza is gone. What is like what is, all right, but all right, explain to me this. What what in your opinion, what is the rationale of getting rid of the shredded chicken when oh. I feel like here they go you just chop up the chicken when you get it as full chicken like isn't it like the same Wait, product hold on wrinkler you think that Taco Bell is getting a full chicken and then chopping no, it no, up I'm there on like site those cube, like those cube chickens that come in like the quesadilla I feel like yeah. they might just like chop those up or put them through a grinder for their shredded stuff they don't have a grinder bro they have scissors and a microwave <laughs> what the fuck are you talking I about I don't know I just I don't know I just thought all chicken, you know, came from the same thing, but I guess that's silly. They're, they're what they're trying to do is uh, revamp the menu. It's aimed, uh, it's aimed at creating a quote faster and more seamless restaurant experience. Um, as part of the revamp, Taco Bell will be cutting a few items from the menus nationwide starting November fifth. So, yeah, if you want to get these fucking items, you better get them now because they're going to be gone soon. Uh, the fan favorite Mexican pizza is gone. Um, Taco Bell is said to be cutting this item in part because of the environmental impact as its packaging accounts for over 7 million pounds of paperboard material per year in the U.S. Because it's What about pizza boxes? Are they going to outlaw pizza? I don't know. No, probably not. Yeah, I call bullshit on this. Hey, 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 here's a pizza tip. Pizza tip. If you're ordering pizza and you want to make sure, you know, when it gets to you that it's the best pizza it can be, Order it uncut. Order it uncut. I'm not talking like like me. There you go, like you. Uncut. That's. <laughs> I knew someone was going to go there. I was trying to form a joke, but I couldn't. And then you did it, and well done. But if you order it uncut, uh, the juices don't like leak into the box. They stay all in the pizza. Dude, same. With your that penis? is actually like that's like thousand IQ move right there. I'm just giving you a pro tip. Again, not talking about your penis, fire shit. <laughs> not your pee pop, your pizza pop. Oh, uh, is it going to be one of those episodes for you, Winkler, where you're making these really weird jokes that aren't landing? I remember what was that? The, the retired. Oh, retired. Oh, oh my god, god. that was. Dude, I, okay, what was going I, I on? Yeah, like trust me, I know it was like terrible. Yeah, like. like in hindsight, it was fucking awful. Yeah, right? yeah. I had I had somebody message me and go, "Dude, I don't know why they didn't think it was funny. I thought that was the funniest joke ever." Oh, it's nice to know that there's other idiots out there. That's <laughs> that's comforting. That's really comforting. Oh, we know who man. they voted for for the podcast awards. Oh my god, that's oh, that's shit. so sweet. There's other morons out there that understood <laughs> your logic in that joke. That's wonderful. That that. Ah, uh, that just warms the cockles of my heart. Um, anyway, we've got, hey, we gotta announce some winners here, uh, for the, uh, 
the uh, last week's contest, and then I've got to announce two new contests this week before we can move on any further this podcast. Uh, last week, what did we offer? Oh, yeah, we're going to give away five digital codes for um, Rogue. What was it called? Rogue Warfare? Part three. No, it's not called part three. It's part three of a trilogy, but it doesn't actually have part three in the title. My bad. Fuck off, Farshid. Jesus Christ, part three. I'm trying to contribute here. Yeah, and you, you might as well just give that retire joke. Just again. retire? Yeah, please. Um, no, but it's, uh, Rogue Warfare. So this is the Stephen Lang, um, movie. So I actually have a sound effect <laughs> to, that we could actually play while I'm waiting for the names to pop up in the random name picker. So here we go. Who's going to be our first winner for this one? Uh, here we go. doing that sound effect anymore that is annoying as shit it's the press your luck sound effect oh my god i cannot listen to that shit i am not playing that again i'm just gonna fucking draw these names that was annoying as fuck that was like listening to winkler explain that retire joke jesus christ um Mm. yeah i'm gonna keep bringing that up winkler it's I'll drop it. I'll drop it. Um, winner, the first winner is Adam Cornette. Adam Cornette, you won a digital code. I'll send it to you in an email. Uh, winner, what, what, what do you got to say? No, I was just say congratulations, Adam. That's, that's a good dude right there. Yeah, Adam's a, Adam's a nice guy. Uh, here we go. Uh, winner number two. Here we go. Waiting for it. Waiting for it. I'm not playing that fucking bumper again. Joe Stark. Shut up. Try to give the name of the winner. God damn it. With you. <laughs> I sound so angry. I'm not. Um, Joe Stark. Joe Stark, you won a copy of uh, of this movie. I hope you watch the first two. Uh, he's going to be totally lost watching this movie if, if he hasn't watched the first two. Part three. It is part, it is part three. <laughs> right there in the title. Not in the title. It's a lie. All right, here we go. And the third, third winner here of this digital code for this Mark, Mark Busking, you win. You're a big fucking winner today. There you go, Mark Busking. He, he's also the host of, uh, What's Your Story and Nerdaholics. Here we go. Was that, was that, how many people was that? It was three. 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 So I got two more left. That, that's yeah. correct. All right. Here we go. That's how math works. Here we go. Number four. Number four. Tammy Hatfield. Tammy Hatfield, you're a big fucking winner today. You won, Tammy. And the final winner for this movie. These might be the only five people to ever watch this movie. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) That was fucked up. William Dixon. William. All right, William. There you go. William Dixon. You won. All right. The final now it's time for my favorite part, the first loser. No, we're not doing that again. I'm not doing that <laughs> again. Then I'll have to give out something. I'm not giving out any more shit. I don't have any more codes to give out. 
Um, we've got a new contest though, and uh, this contest is for uh, US only. I actually got two contests. One's for a movie, which I'm going to talk about now. And the next is for a video game. Uh, first one is uh, it's a movie called uh, Most Wanted. This is for US only listeners. Uh, it's new on digital. Antoine Olivier Pallon with Jim Gaffigan and Josh Hartnett star in the gripping crime thriller Most Wanted. It's inspired by a true story. An investigative journalist fights to expose the twisted truth behind a heroin bust orchestrated by dirty cops to frame an innocent man, sentencing, uh, sentencing him to life in a Thai prison. And uh, you can own Most Wanted right now on digital and Blu-ray. Uh, it's directed by Daniel Roby. It's rated R, and uh, it comes from Paramount Pictures. And it's uh, uh, let's see here. Yeah, here's 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 a more more of a synopsis. Inspired by the gripping true story, an investigative journalist played by Josh Hartnett unravels a twisted case of entrapment in which Daniel, a guy from the wrong side of the tracks, is forced into a dangerous drug deal against his will and is sentenced to a 100 years in a Thai prison. As Daniel endures torture and abuse, the journalist must track down the shady undercover cops benefiting off the conspiracy while also fighting for Daniel's freedom. So, yeah, this is based on a true story. It's got I love Jim Gaffigan. I'm a big fan of Josh Hartnett as well. And so, yeah, this this could definitely be a good movie, and you could watch it for free right now uh, if you enter the contest and are one of the five winners to win the digital codes. Otherwise, you can rent this one, um, or you can purchase it on Blu-ray, and it's called Most Wanted. Just I'm going to send out a tweet tomorrow, a Facebook post tomorrow about this. Just share it on Facebook or retweet it on Twitter, and screenshot that send me the email uh titled most wanted and send it to comments at popcultureleftovers.com and with that screenshot and then i will enter you into the contest for next week um also i have a video game and this one, it's a digital code for this. It's for U.S. only, and it's for the PS4 version only. This one is for Crash Bandicoot 4. It's about time. So uh, it's, uh, let's see here. Everyone's favorite marsupial is back in Crash Bandicoot 4. It's about time. Crash forward into a time-shattered adventure, complete with massive worlds, new powers, and more insanity on Crash Bandicoot 4. It's about time now on PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. Uh, Neocortex and N-Trophy are back at it again and launching an all-out assault on not just this universe, but the entire multiverse. Crash and Coco are here to save the day by reuniting the four quantum masks and bending the rules of reality. New abilities? Check. More playable characters? Yep. Alternate dimensions, obviously. Redonkulous bosses, for sure. Same awesome <laughs> sauce, you bet your sweet jorts. Wait, are they actually jorts? Not in this universe. 
I'm just reading. Guys, I'm reading that. This is stuff I got to read. Um, very well. <laughs> thank you. Uh, it's got offline multiplayer up to two, uh, two up to four players, two to, two to four players. It uses DualShock 4 vibration function, uh, enhanced gameplay on PS4 Pro console, uh, offline play enabled. This is Crash Bandicoot 4. It's about time. And, uh, I will be sending out a Facebook post on this one, tweeting on this one. Send me screenshots. Send me screenshots and then uh, send me an email uh, titled Crash Bandicoot to comments at popcultureleftovers.com. And next week, I will draw the five winners for the digital codes for this one for PS4, PlayStation 4. And then next week, I'm also announcing another contest. So come back next week. Listen to the contest uh, that I'll be announcing next week. It's a movie. It's a movie that I had planned on watching anyway, so I'm super excited to be able to give out five digital copies of this movie. So, yeah, uh, check out those contests. Guys, I don't know. I haven't played the Crash Bandicoot game in a long time, but I remember it being super fun on the PlayStation. My wife is a huge fan. I mean, every time one comes out, we have to buy it, so... I'm, you know, I don't, I've never played one, but I'm definitely somebody that has to sit there and listen to it in the background for sure. You slide, <laughs> you, you slide me five bucks right now, you're gonna win. Oh, yeah, okay. for sure. Like, like, dude, I remember like that's how this works, man. That's how that's how all these winners get picked. They just fucking. That's how I won because I've just been yeah. sending you PayPal, bro. You guys fucking. Well, I've moved over to Venmo, but we'll uh, we'll work out those details later. But uh, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. These are all fucking random. I ain't making any fucking money off this shit. Um, anyway, anyway, let's move on into good pop, bad pop. How's that sound? That sounds good. I did have a question for you, Brian. I'm sorry. Who do you think Gaffigan is playing in that in that movie? Oh, man. He's playing the guy at the Taco Bell drive-up that's bitching about them not having shredded chicken quesadillas anymore. That's that's way better than my guess. My <laughs> guess was I guess was a Thai prison guard, but I think that you're you'll probably have a better shot. He's he does the food comedy, you know. I love him though. Like his comedy is so like he does a style of like dad comedy that's just fucking hilarious. Yeah, I've seen him. I've actually seen him twice in person. At, yeah, I've seen him yeah. once. Yeah, very funny. Other very than the Super funny. Troopers, has he acted before? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, really? yeah. He's had his own shows before. Yeah, absolutely. He's been in a ton of movies and a lot of TV shows. Yeah. All right. There's your answer to that. Go to IMDb too. Check it out. <laughs> if you don't blame me. Uh, let's jump into good pop, bad pop. It's time for more leftover reviews with Good Pop, Bad Pop. Good Pop, Bad Pop is where we talk about the things in the previous weekend or weeks that we either watched or read. Sometimes we rate these things, and if this is your first time listening, we'd like you to be familiar with our rating system. The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. I uh, I watched... Uh, I didn't tell you guys to watch this one, but I watched Soulmates on AMC Premiere. Have you guys heard about Soulmates? No, sir. No, I haven't. This is, I watched this early. It's gonna, it's gonna drop Monday, 
on AMC. But um, I I picked up AMC Premiere. Let me talk. I'll t- let me talk about AMC Premiere and this. I picked it up, and I'll tell you why I picked it up. It's like four ninety nine a month through like your you know cable subscriber or whatever. So you still have AMC, but then you have to add AMC Premiere, and they let you watch like past episodes of stuff. They have a bunch of stuff on there too, um, that you can watch, and then they'll drop stuff on there early, like the Walking Dead season ten finale or whatever that's coming out this Sunday is already on there. They dropped it like on Thursday or some shit. Um, and then the walking dead, uh, world beyond, which we'll talk about here in a moment, like that dropped on there, but this drops Monday and they dropped it on there early. Um, and so, and then they have something now called AMC plus, which is their like subscription service, standalone subscription service, which I guess is basically AMC premiere, but it's eight ninety nine. You're not tying it in with like your cable or satellite provider and you can add it on to Amazon Prime Video or Apple TV Plus. Is that not the most confusing thing ever? Dude, streaming has gotten really confusing lately. <laughs> yeah. It started with HBO. I feel like yeah, HBO started that shitstorm. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. But I watched Soulmates Soulmates, this takes place 15 years from now when science makes a discovery that changes the lives of everyone on the planet. A way to find your soulmate through six provocative stories about the cost of finding true love. So basically, as you're watching this, when, when it first starts, um, oh, let me say this, Soulmates, is, it's from the co-creators of Will Bridges. Uh, he's a writer of uh, Black Mirror. And uh, Brett Goldstein, uh from Ted Lasso, a writer from Ted Lasso, the Apple TV Plus show. Um, and uh, each of the six episodes, it's kind of like an anthology set within this world of soulmates where, like, they have found this uh, – it's, it's it's a soul gene, I think is what they called it when I was watching the first episode. Like, when you start watching it, they show a commercial um, for this uh, – for the discovery of this soul gene – and they're talking about how basically you can find your perfect soulmate. It it narrows down your soulmate. And if if you haven't, if your soulmate hasn't taken, it's a test that they take. So basically you go in, you sit down, and they scan your eye or some shit. I haven't really got to see the full test. But uh, they scan you, and then it tells you your soulmate if the other person has taken this test as well. It's it's an easy match. They've been able to find this. Um, and the, in the first episode, it uh, it's titled Watershed, and it stars uh, Sarah Snook from Succession and uh, Kingsley Ben Adir from High Fidelity. The I guess that's the the Hulu series based on the John Cusack movie. Also starring what's her name, Chloe. Kravitz, daughter of Lenny Kravitz and Lisa Bonet, who is now with Aquaman. Anyway, um, so they've been married for fi- – are you guys still there? Did I fucking put you to sleep already? No, I'm, no, I'm dead. We're still listening. <laughs> okay. All right. Jeez. You guys are so quiet. Um, it's because I've been talking. But anyway, uh, this couple, Nikki – and Franklin, they've been married for like 15 years. They have kids together and everybody that's known them 
thinks that they had like the perfect marriage. But now that this test is out, like it's putting their marriage to the test because Nikki, her brother, who's never been able to kind of like nail down a stable relationship. He like loves them and leaves them or just finds a reason to leave, takes the test, finds his soulmate. They get married within six weeks. And now everywhere, Nikki just looks around and she sees all these couples. Like in this show, you it looks like a fucking eHarmony commercial that she's driving around in. She just sees all these <laughs> couples like holding each other and hugging each other all the fucking time. People are just finding their perfect soulmate because of this technology, this test. And so it's just, it's, and she, now she's seeing her brother who meets this woman and six weeks later gets married to her and they have their first argument, big blow up fight and he's going to stick it out. She's used to this guy leaving as soon as things are getting like a little hairy, a little trouble in, in the relationship, he's used to like, you know, love him and leave him. But he's sticking it out because he knows that she's the one. And so like Nikki cannot stop thinking about this. And uh, I'm not going to spoil this one because it does come out on Monday. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people that want to see it. But I thought the first episode, for what it was, it's super fucking intriguing. I'm going to give it a high taste it. And, um, it made me feel something at the end. I was like, wow, oh my God, this, this made me feel something. I really enjoyed that first episode. I don't know if all the episodes are going to be as good or as engaging as this one, but man, I was kind of, I, I was impressed by this first episode. And from what I'm hearing from like the critics that have watched screeners for all six episodes is that some are better than others. Some are a little bit more grounded in the the reality of the tech and it's a little bit better and then others are, I don't know, but it's from black, the, you know, the writers from black mirror and Ted Lasso. And so I'm definitely going to at least watch the second episode and see where it goes from here. Does this interest you? Like, does this interest you guys at all? I mean, from you like talking about it, like, like, Obviously, like, I didn't have much to say because I didn't see it or hear about it until now. But when you were um, kind of giving a synopsis, I, I was looking on Google a little bit. And um, a few of the things I read is that it's very clear, distinctly not Black Mirror. Like, it's trying its best to, like, be its own kind of deal. So do you think that it being how it's set up? as like the creator of Black Mirror that it would kind of give off that Black Mirror vibe or is it kind of its own thing? It's its own thing, but it is kind of Black Mirror. Let's not fucking... Sure. But yeah, I mean, let's not lie to ourselves. Like there's this technology that they have that they have now where they can find your soulmate. It sounds like a Black Mirror episode. Like this would yeah. typically just be like a one-off Black Mirror episode, but they've kind of expounded upon it and they've got like the Ted Lasso writer in here and stuff like that. So I'm sure that they just had this idea. They had six different stories that they wanted to share and we're going to get them. I mean, so what if it fucking is a little bit like Black Mirror? I mean... I, it's not I like we, it's good. <laughs> well, and it's not like we haven't seen a bunch of shit come out trying to bite off a black mirror. Right. You know, so in a way that show the loop did, I'm trying to think of some others. There's been some other shows that I know that have been trying to bite off black mirror. And I don't know if it was called the loop. I'm making that up. <laughs> <laughs> it was an Amazon show. I can't remember. <laughs> 
I'm making that up. Um, I watched, uh, uh, yeah, so that's called Soulmates and it's gonna drop on, uh, October 5th on AMC proper. Uh, Monsterland. I know, Winkler, you didn't get a chance to watch Monsterland. Uh, oh, man. Steven, did you, did you watch any of Monsterland? I did. I watched the first episode. I watched the first episode as well. Um, uh, here's the synopsis for this one. Encounters with mermaids, fallen angels, and other strange beasts drive broken people to desperate acts in Monsterland, an anthology series based on the collection of stories from Nathan Ballingrud's North American Lake Monsters. Um, each episode of this show is titled after the city in which it takes place. And this first one, it was in Louisiana. Is it Port Fortune? Yeah, Port Fortune. Port Fortune. Okay, Port Fortune in Louisiana. And it's yeah, Louisiana a, always tries to find really creative ways to spell things. Jesus. Yeah, it was a, spelled F-O-U-R-C-H-O-N. Just spell it Fortune. Jesus. <laughs> anyway, what did you think about Monsterland? I mean, so when I read the synopsis, when you gave this as an assignment, as homework, I was like, yeah, you know, this sounds interesting. And I started watching in the first 40 minutes. I stopped it and I said, did I read, am I watching the wrong thing? You know, cause I could have swore it said something about mermaids and creatures and all that. And yeah. this is just a, a, a regular old story, uh, about this girl and, and this creepy dude. Um, I would, I would give it a taste it. Um, I think that just like, um, uh, Twilight Zone. It has a, a potential to be, you know, episodes that you like and episodes you don't like. I don't know if this one should have been the first one. This could have got away with being like maybe the third or fourth one where it like kind of has like a little bit of a of a of a build up or a soft tone to it. So you find out what's actually happening at the end. I, I don't know. I mean, I was kind of taken out of it because uh, the accents were really terrible and. I spent a lot of time in Louisiana, so I, you know, I, I don't know. I, I couldn't really get into the characters. Um, it could have been pretty much any shithole town, USA. Didn't really have to be Louisiana. Um, I, I guess I get the whole premise of Monsterland. Like Monsterland is, is the United States, I guess, and these are going to be stories that show, quote unquote, monsters, but also like kind of like a deep dive and a reflection of like real people in the United States and how, you know, how that applies to real life. So I had a little bit of a hard time putting two and two together at the end of the first episode. I'm like, okay, so what did I just watch and, and why did I watch it? Um, I'm going to give it a shot. I'm going to give it a couple more episodes because I, I have a feeling that maybe this, the second or third one actually could be something that's really intriguing Maybe wait. Uh, wait, all these dropped at the same time, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, they all dropped. Okay, um, so maybe not start with the first one. That's my opinion. Yeah, I, I'm. I think I'm out on this one. I don't even think I'm going to watch anymore. To be quite honest with you, like if this is like what they came out with, you know. And I know we can say that you can say the same thing about Black Mirror, like the first episode with the pig and the president and all that shit. Uh, pig and the prime minister. Like it wasn't like the best Black Mirror episode, but it got your attention. This one didn't even really grab my attention, to be quite honest with you. Um, you've got, you know, the waitress and she meets like who we think is like this serial killer and 
as the story unfolds, there's twists, and I just was not impressed with with the acting or 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 the twist or anything in this. To be quite honest with you, yeah, I, I, I'll give it another episode because I'm I like anthologies because I really like kind of like self contained hour stories. Yeah, you can do a lot with that, and it's kind of fun. Like you just dedicate an hour, and you get the beginning and the end of the whole story. So I'll probably give it one or two more episodes, but like you said, like I said, I I don't understand how this was the first one, dude. The I will the fucking disturbing, most disturbing thing in this was the the home abortion scene. Mm-hmm. I also didn't like the rat drowning, like drowning. Like I I didn't really I don't know. I'm not a big animal kind of torture oh situation. Yeah, I wasn't but, a big uh, fan of that, and I wasn't also the big fan of like. Again, the home abortion scene. Oh, my God. What are you guys I, watching? I, I talked to my wife about the science of all that, and she said that it actually has, like, actual, like, she's a she's a nurse, and, and, and it has actual, like, I'm like, what is a 12-inch spike going to do besides just completely tear up your insides? But apparently it causes your, your uterus to contract, and and knock the the fetus off the wall. Okay, all and- right, we're done. We're done. Yeah, wait, we're done. With, oh. we're, we're done with we're done with, with with your wife's explanation. Oh my god, stop it! Oh, it's better than a than a pole just being shoved up inside her for whatever reason. I mean, there's there's. I mean, you would think that oh, that man. thing is just going to go right through her. You we're know, not, we're not even going to get nominated for the podcast awards next year. Oh man. <laughs> Dude, they're gonna ban your ass, bro. <laughs> this is the thing that gets you banned at Pop Culture What Leftovers. <laughs> really? Oh, man. Monsterland. Not a huge fan. Not a huge fan of Monsterland. I'm gonna give it uh I'm going to give it a very low taste that I was just not a fan of this one. Understood. What did you taste it? Taste it. Yeah. yeah. Taste it because I not this actual episode, but I would taste the the actual series because I think that, that there's a potential of maybe one or two really good stories that are coming out of the season. I would taste the gumbo in New Orleans. Mmm. That's some New Orleans good, gumbo. That, that's some good gumbo. Now that accent that's right there gumbo. was actually way better than, than any kind of accent that she tried to put on. I like the jambalaya. Mmm. It's very good. Mm. I don't I, I don't know. It's just something I threw out there. You know what I mean? Yeah, that, that, that second part was more Adam Sandler than yeah, anything else. That's true. I was I was <laughs> I, it was <laughs> uh, yeah, so I was workshopping that one a little bit and then went a little Sandler on us, didn't it? Oh man. Uh, anyway, I was gonna yeah, I was gonna start going into full water boy next anyway. Um the Walking Dead World Beyond. I saw this one early on AMC premiered. Uh, did you get a chance to see this one, Winkler? Yeah. Yep. Did you watch this one, Steven? I did. Uh, the series is going to consist of two 10 episode seasons before they end this one. So they're letting us know that it's going to be two seasons and they're going to come to a conclusion. Uh, the series is set in Nebraska 10 years after the zombie apocalypse. It features four teenage protagonists and focuses on the first generation to come 
of age in the apocalypse as we know it. Some will become heroes. Some will become villains. In the end, all of them will be changed forever, grown up and cemented in their identities, both good and bad. So, yeah, The Walking Dead, World Beyond. This one premieres uh, Sunday, October 4th on AMC. And uh, what did you think about this one, Winkler? Talk, yeah, I guess talk a little bit about it and then tell me tell me what you thought. Yeah, sure. So um, this is uh, like a cool, different way of looking at life during the apocalypse. Um, sure, The Walking Dead, we all know is one story. Um, Fear of the Walking Dead, sure, another one. Typically, I like uh, zombie shows that just get straight into the gritty action. Um, and World Beyond seems to be focusing more on uh, the politics and power struggles between different groups. It's set 10 years after the outbreak, and um, we get introduced to a town called uh, the Campus Colony. You know, there's there's nice schools, professors, counselors, policemen, and um, we follow these main characters who are two sisters named Hope and Iris, who I think are well acted. Their um, their backstories are brought up like here and there throughout the episode, uh, which makes you feel for them immediately. Um, and these two sisters. Their father is a brilliant scientist, and he was taken to help the main group of the Civic Republic. Now, for those who have seen The Walking Dead uh, show, you might know them as, like, the helicopter people, or they, they're these very, like, um, unknown group of people. So now we kind of get to uh, take a glimpse into that group. And um, I think there are some cool characters that we get introduced to. Um, uh, aside from the sisters I brought up, uh, there's a gentleman named Felix who was the girl's father's old partner. And when he left, he's now their guardian and also the sheriff of the town. And, um, yeah, I'm really digging it so far. I think um, towards the end of the episode, there's like a stand-by-me type feel to the group of teens that uh, band together to try. They decide they want to try to do something um, about this. And um, they do set up a lot of uh, story points that should have major payoffs. So... For me, after one episode, The World Beyond has definitely like piqued my interest enough that I'll be back for episode two. So I'm going to give it a taste it right now with potential for a high taste it. Yeah, I, let me jump in real quick. I'll agree with that. I'll give it a taste as well. And uh, I feel like the first episode was just a lot. It, it's a pilot episode. It was just a lot of setup getting us to the point where yeah. like these four teenagers are actually going to go out on like – this 1100 mile, you know, journey to track down these girls father and like all the shit that they're going to come along, uh, that they're going to, you know, encounter along the way. Like we don't know yet. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I'll watch, I'll definitely watch the second episode. Cause I think like that's where the show really started was like at the end of this first one. You know what I mean? This felt like, yeah. a, this felt like a, like if 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 it was a comic book, it was the zero issue. Yeah, it was almost like stressing me out a bit too, because like like we said, you know, this was definitely all set up, and but then once you get to that last like quarter of the episode, everything starts like okay, you can see the direction they're heading, which is getting me excited. Yeah, what'd you think, Stephen? I mean, I also give it a taste. It I would have gave it a toss it and not went back if I thought that they were going to stick around at, at this university, at this campus colony. Um, I 
zero interest in what's happening there. Uh, they didn't really try to set too much up of, of, of the structure and the command situation and who's in charge and what security. They didn't really try to do any of that. Um, and I realize now after watching the whole episode that, that it's because they're, we're going to follow this group of, of, of four like kind of kids, uh, that are going to leave the compound. So once I found that out that I'm going to, that we're going to see these people on the road, um, that I definitely upgraded to a taste it. Yeah. I didn't really feel too good about any of these characters. I think hope was obviously the standout that young Sheldon kind of character didn't seem very believable to me. Um, just like, yeah. this, you know, <laughs> 10 year old kid that knows everything and speaks like he's reading out of a dictionary. I mean, he knew the exact mileage to New York. They were like, "Oh, we need to go to New York." He's like, "That's eleven hundred and thirteen miles." Yeah, like how do they know what New uh, York is? Really, I mean, the kid, the kids. It's been ten years since the zombie apocalypse, and the kid's like eleven years old. So, I don't really understand how he knows that. But um, the other character, I forget his name. Winkler, did you catch his name? I'm sorry. The uh, taller kid with the long hair. Oh, uh, Silas. Silas. Yeah, he kind of looked like an outcast. I'd like to see where they go with that. He kind of reminds me of like an Abraham from from the original from the Walking Dead series. I didn't watch any Fear or Walking Eugene, Dead. Maybe. I'm sorry, Eugene. My bad. Uh, I did not watch any of the Fear of Walking Dead, none of the spinoffs or anything. And I actually haven't even seen the last episode of Walking Dead. But now that I know that they're on the road, and of course, what happens at the very end of this episode mm. is intriguing, and uh, I'm definitely going to keep watching. It felt like it was like when I was watching it. It just like when they were at the campus. I, I just kept thinking, like this just feels like the uh, like a fucking CW show. One hundred percent. It was very like Teeny Bopper. Yeah, it was it, like very like yeah. They're like they're trying to like make this drama and like these rebellious kids and stuff. But like like we've already seen the original property of The Walking Dead. We've seen five year old kids killing people. Like let's just you know like I get you want to do the setup, but like let's just get there. You know, and it got there at the end. It but like, I agree with end. you completely, man. That's a great yeah. way to put it. They should have dropped two fucking episodes. To be quite honest with you, it should have been a two hour block, but. Whatever. I mean, you still gotta fucking do your after show with Chris Hardwick or whatever the fuck. And then, I don't know. Just, you know I don't, man. No, you're right though, dude. Brian, you're right 100% because like, you shouldn't have to like, like all of us have just said, you know, like, I, yeah, we're gonna check out the second episode, but like, you should just give us that second episode so we stick around. You don't, you don't want us to like, think about, jumping off or not you know what i mean yeah 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 i agree and yeah, there's gonna there's gonna be people that are just huge walking dead fans regardless so they're gonna watch this anyway because they watch anything walking dead like i still watch walking dead proper but it, it's because you know i've been watching it for so long i feel invested at invested. this point you know absolutely yeah yeah and then winkler i mean I, I was surprised that you gave it you sounded like you're pretty high on the show yeah and it sounded like, but then you were talking about that you liked the zombie action, and, and, and that was obviously lacking from this episode. There was a jump scare in this one, which, honestly, it's the first time maybe three to four seasons that I've actually had a jump scare from a Walking Dead episode. But then it just kind of it went away, and the zombies were an afterthought. They were, like, decorating the zombies and stuff. So Yeah. Um, yeah, there was a couple Spray of things. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't. I guess we'll find out why they do that. Or... It's uh migration patterns. Okay. Yeah. All right. So now we're watching like a Natural Geographic show about zombies <laughs> yeah, instead of like shit, fighting yeah. them and blowing their heads off, right? Because yeah. isn't that what we're here for? 
Um, right. Well, I, I, nobody ever got bit in the shower. We don't see fucking, you know, zombie dick. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and if I don't see zombie dick, then I'm out. Like, I, basically. I, I've talked about this before. Everybody's fucking, they all got fucking clothes on. Or their, or their bodies are so mangled you can't see that they had a dick. Yeah. Are you kidding me? You, you've never, nobody was in the shower when this fucking zombie outbreak took place. You don't see any, Scientifically, it probably falls off first. Imagine they get a zombie with like a towel wrapped around his waist like he just got out of the shower. And like how? Like biting into someone's skin, you got to bite pretty hard to fucking do what these zombies do. Is that like, is, is that like what happens? <laughs> is that what happens? Like when you become a zombie, like you could just fucking bite into people like it's an apple or some shit? I mean, oh, yeah, it's pretty remarkable because there is no muscle tone left in the jawbone. So it's like, how are you getting the power behind yeah. this? Yeah. But, there know, are these people with like Carhartt jackets with like a bite mark in it. You're like, ah, I don't know about that. I'm bringing I down think- this whole zombie thing. I'm bringing it all down with my questions here. Hard hitting <laughs> questions. Dude, I kind of did like the, 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 they kind of addressed the fact that like when old people die, what happens? Mm. You know, like they had this area of the campus where there was, older people mm-hmm. and that they have cages on their doors because yeah. at some point you have no idea these people are just going to pass away and just instantly become a zombie within your 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 safe compound that was a cool kind of thing and then of course they have to come up with their own thing to call zombies yeah they empty and yeah empty. this one might yeah, be my least favorite say, one yeah. though empties oh yeah yeah well i think it's better than lame brains isn't that what you, isn't that what you call a paps blue ribbon when you're done you know (laughs) anyway i was uh, yeah so that's uh the walking dead world beyond that premieres uh this sunday i watched uh this is the reason i got amc premiere it's a show i've been looking forward to and it was supposed to drop on amc i didn't know it was only going to be an AMC premiere or an AMC plus exclusive. So I had to drop the fucking four ninety nine a month to watch this gangs of London. This comes from uh, Gareth Evans. He's the guy behind the raid and the raid two. And I fucking love those movies. And I'm a big fan of Gareth Evans. And uh, we had Matt Kirby. This dropped uh, over in England months ago and Matt Kirby's already seen like the whole series and here uh here we are in the, in the US and we haven't we haven't had any and now we got to get AMC premiere in order to watch any of it <sighs> so I dropped the 5 bucks a month I'm going to do it for fucking Gangs of London and um it's uh set in the heart of London one of the world's most dynamic and multicultural cities Gangs of London tells the story of the city being torn apart by the turbulent power struggles of the international gangs that control it and the sudden power vacuum that's created when the head of London's most powerful crime family is assassinated. Kirby talked about this one before, and basically you've got Finn Wallace. Uh, he's this uh, powerful uh, crime boss in London, and he's played by Cole Meany. And uh, Cole Meany, I love that actor, but uh, he he's like instantly killed in this first fucking episode. And now that he's gone, all these other... Um, uh, his son is now left wondering, like, who, what, what gang put the hit out on his father? And he will not rest until he finds out who put up the hit on his father. 
And uh, Stephen, did you get a chance to watch this at all? I most certainly did. Okay. Um, they dropped three episodes. They dropped the first two, and they put them together. How many? How many did you watch? I guess I just watched one point one. I guess the like it was about an hour and a half, or yeah, maybe that, an hour and fifteen minutes. They they put the first two episodes together. So you watched okay. the first two, and and so. And that's what I've watched as well. I haven't watched the third episode yet. It is out, but I haven't watched it. And they're dropping new episodes on Thursday. But now you have like all these different gangs that are, uh, you know, they're still wanting to operate, but the son is telling them that they can't do their drug business and that he wants to find out who killed his father. And I guess there's kind of like a race to the throne too that there's that they're setting up is like who's going to be like the next big crime boss, and um, and then we've got these other characters that are, you know, trying to find out you know who killed, um, who killed the uh, Cole Meany's character of Finn Wallace, and it gets oh my god I want to I want to talk about this one Stephen but it gets super fucking brutal just like the Raid movies have you seen the Raid movies? I have not, but I tell you what, after seeing this, I'm definitely checking them out. <laughs> oh, dude. Oh, yeah. you've got to watch the Raid films. They're like two of my favorite fucking movies ever. I love them. I own them on Blu-ray. I absolutely love them. Um, I'm all in on those, man. If it's anything like this, I'm all in. What did, what did you think? What did you think? I mean, it's a fucking Tupperware. I mean, there's, there's, I mean, I've, I've honestly, I don't know if I've ever seen a premiere that started off with the first 15 minutes you know, as intense as this one did. I mean, you got the first scene yeah. right there where, you know, I mean, I don't know how spoilery we're getting here. I'll tell you this right yeah. now. I'm going to, I'm going to have to drop the 499 myself. If that's the only way I can watch this show, I'm in, I'm sucked in. Cause well, that first scene. Yeah. Say that again. I'm sorry. No, I was just going to say, you can go ahead and spoil. Like I, I want people to, I want people to watch this. If you want to talk about that first scene, go for it first scene they got this dude hanging upside down off a building and you know obviously you have no idea what's going on and that's not that's not anything new but then they pour gasoline on him and then they light this dude on fire and you just see this like body just writhing underneath this on this hanging on this rope and then of course eventually the rope is going to burn and snap and then you just get to watch the body just slowly fall and like I mean, that was amazing. And then it goes right into the scene. And then the way, I mean, I'm a Trekkie, you know, and when I see Miles O'Brien, I'm going to get excited. You know, when I see Cole Meany. Oh, yeah. I'm I'm just, I mean, I've seen him in other things, but of course, right off the bat, he's Miles O'Brien. But then when I see the way he dies, it's like, oh, this guy's not going to die. He's a big star, right? (laughs) No, they they Sean Bean the fuck out of him. Just right right off the bat, dude. And then it was like... A brutal kill too. I mean, it wasn't like it was. It was shocking. And by the way, though, I, I will say, Brian, I did look it up. He is listed as five episodes, so we'll apparently see a lot of flashbacks. Oh, nice! And here's the thing: yeah. the the hit that was put out on him, the kid that fucking killed him, thought he was killing. Thought he was doing a completely different job. Did not know he was killing, um, Finn Wallace, this crime right. lord thought he was killing like this pedophile just thought he was doing this job killing this pedophile and ends up killing this crime boss and and then they've got this other actor who's um what's i can't remember the actor's name it's like sipo something oh um, uh, soapy 
Dirisu. Yeah, Dirisu. The guy is playing Elliot. Dude, dude. Oh if fuck. You, if you, okay, okay, dude. Oh my god. If you like the raid movies for the action and the martial arts, this dude is is he's he's a, he's a I, I think he's a phenomenal martial artist in this and just brutal i mean we get we get a lot of the same kind of like brutal kills and and action that you would see in in the raid films here from like you know the eco uas but now we're getting it from this dude and he's he's a badass i'll just say about this this show it's like you get the first 15 minutes this is kind of this high octane like you know really good like startup and then in between you get kind of the stereotypical gangster movie you know like really you know well acted good writing but but just nothing that that you that's going to shock you nothing that's brand new and then of course the last 10 minutes with this guy soapy just doing his thing yeah it's like oh my god dude what about the second what about the second episode where he's fighting that fucking guy with the meat cleaver oh my goodness man (laughs) like fuck just, just watch this thing. I don't know. Wh- I don't know how much more I could talk about it. Just, just please watch this thing. And I'm not, I'm not this kind of dude that gets real excited about everything that comes out. You know, I'm usually, yeah, yeah, that was good. You know, everybody's talking about it. that's good. This is something you have to, you have to watch. Whatever you can do, watch the show. Yeah, Gangs of London, like Kirby, Matt Kirby. He tried to like he he bought it on uh, app on uh, Apple iTunes and tried to share his account, but I could since he's in England and I'm here, I couldn't I couldn't watch it. It fucking sucked. And he's been raving about this, and he knew that I was super looking forward to it. And um, oh my god, he he was not lying, and this show does not disappoint. It is an absolute Tupperware. This is the highest of Tupperwares. This is so fucking good i cannot wait to see where this goes i don't want to spoil it too much but i honestly think like once it's if you don't want to watch it week to week and pay the 4.99 wait until it's all collected and then drop the 4.99 for the month or um if you do the i think if you do amc plus on either apple tv or amazon prime video i think you can get a seven day free trial if you do it that way. So you're telling me like just sign up for the seven day free trial and then binge all of it at the end. And then binge all of it. Yeah. I don't know if I can handle that. I know. I don't know if I could. I'm going to be, I'm going to be watching this one week to week, uh, through AMC premiere. And I am, (laughs) I am loving it. I am gangs of London on AMC premiere. I'm a little upset though that they just made this an AMC premiere, AMC plus exclusive. I thought that this was going to be available to everyone, but, uh, any way I can watch this, any way I can watch anything Gareth Evans does, I'm all about it. This is fucking an absolute Tupperware. I love this so much. It's brutal. Oh my God. I can't believe that this is, and now I do. Now I get it. Now I get why it's on fucking AMC premiere. Cause it's that brutal, but it's just unfortunate that it's buried in this really obscure service. Though, yeah. Because, just like the same thing with Cobra Kai that we're seeing now, and even with the uh, Shit's Creek, you know where you know you were talking about Shit's Creek on, on Pop Network for years yeah, or whatever, yeah, you know, yeah. and I mean, and all of a sudden it goes to Netflix and now it's winning Emmys, you know, and and, and this is this show is going to suffer from the same fate. It's buried in this really obscure corner of the streaming universe and not everybody's going to see it, and that's a damn shame because this is fucking amazing. It's been greenlit for a season two, dude. Yeah. 
get it somewhere where we can watch, where everybody can watch it. I'm going to pay four ninety nine, but not everybody is in that situation where yeah. they can add yet another four ninety nine streaming service. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Gangs of London, fucking amazing. Um, let's talk about one more thing, and then we'll go on to break here. But uh, I watched <laughs> Scare Me on Shutter. Uh, during a power outage, two strangers tell scary stories. The more Fred and Fanny commit to their tales, the more the stories come to life in their Catskills cabin. The horrors of reality manifest when Fred confronts his ultimate fear. Uh, it's written and directed and produced by Josh Rubin in his directorial debut. It stars, uh, stars Aya Cash, uh, from, uh, You're the Worst and also, uh, season two of The Boys. She's playing Stormfront. Uh, Ruben also stars himself, Rebecca Drysdale, and Chris Red from Saturday Night Live. Uh, Live. Um, I'll be honest with you, I I'm gonna give this a toss. It I couldn't even finish the last 20 minutes of this. I was so out on this. I love Aya Cash, but I could not watch this. This might be fun. It's basically just people telling fucking stories in a cabin, scary stories in a cabin. And doing it all animated and, and, uh, there's sound effects and things like that, that they're throwing in here. And I was just like, this might be fun to watch as like a play in person, but watching it on, sh- as a movie and watching it here on Shudder, I was just thoroughly bored, unimpressed and thought the whole concept was stupid and I just, did not care enough to even finish this one. I wanted to get back to Gangs of London, which I did. So I dropped off this one with 20 minutes to go, and there's nothing you could tell me about the final 20 minutes to get me back to watch this. I'm going to toss it. Scare me on uh, Shudder. Um, who else got a chance to see this? I yeah, I watched it. Uh, what'd you think, Winkler? I liked it. <laughs> okay. All yeah, right. so, you know, um, everybody, you know, is different. But uh, I thought it was just like a cool spin on a horror anthology where, you know, like you said, scary stories are being acted out as they're being told. And um, it can come off as corny and stuff, but I, I don't think it did. I thought uh, Aya Cash and Josh Rubin worked really well off one another. I thought um, a film like this, it takes like... I don't know, certain actors do it. It's like you said, it's very like, um, overacted, very like charismatic, very, uh, it had like an improv feel to it. And, um, you could just tell that they were having like a lot of fun, which made me have a great time too. Um, I thought there was like some really good camera work. I thought, um, the sound design was really good when they were telling stories. There would be, uh, you know, like, lightning or thunder crashing and a phone ringing or typewriter going and all as it was added to the story by uh, Fanny and Fred acting it out. Um, I thought there's this pizza delivery guy named Carlo that shows up about halfway through the movie. Yeah. That's, and I thought he was Chris red from Saturday night live. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I thought he was just a lot of fun too. I just thought he added to it. Um, it's definitely like, it's something that I've never seen before. So it's definitely different. Uh, it's a horror comedy hybrid. And I, I don't know. I just think it's a fun, you know, Halloween film. Um, you said it, you said I'd like to see some more movies made like this style. I would not. Um, it, 
<laughs> you said it was a horror comedy. Uh, this review on IMDb sums it up for me, and it's by Mikey Pass. Mikey Pass says, this movie should have been listed as a horror comedy, although it was lacking in both. <laughs> and I, I totally agree with that assessment. Steven, what did you think of, uh, what did you rate this one, Winkler? Oh, oh yeah. I, uh, I'm a high taste it on this. All right, Steven, what did you think of uh, Scare Me? So I'm watching this, and I pull it up on Shudder, and it says, you know, critically acclaimed and, you know, slick, whatever description was that were really positive. And I just thought, you know what, here's another example of a horror movie that I just do not get. I mean, it's not a horror movie. In, in any sense of the word, is that is it, is it a horror movie? Um I'm watching it and I'm just bored to tears. I, the only thing that kept me kind of interested was the snarkiness of Isla Cash and like how she's kind of like just berating this, this poor guy. I really like the Uber driver, Rebecca Drysdale, kind of doing like her best Melissa McCarthy impersonation. <laughs> yeah. You know, like she was like, the best part. I agree. Oh, she really was. You know, the very big, I, I was like, really hoping that. You know, I didn't know Isla Cash was in this movie. I was really hoping that she would, like, break down and end up coming back. And she was the one that was going to tell scary stories with this dude. Because I would have really liked it a lot better. I was ready to toss this or even low taste it. And then the pizza delivery guy showed up, Chris, Ray, Chris Reed or Chris Red or whatever his name is. Red, yeah. From Popstar. And, and I guess he was in Joker, too, right? Oh, was he? Yeah. Oh, yeah, he was like uh, Vampires vs. Bronx. Well, that's right. He was in Vampires vs. Bronx. Yeah. Once he got there, I, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna really. Brian, did you make it to like the song? The song? Yeah, like yeah. they sing, like end the up singing Factor. the song. Like they're like on American Idol or whatever. They, they, they announced that they were gonna do their own American oh, Idol so show, okay. and then I, that's a, that's <laughs> right when I turned it off. So once it got to the song. I thought there's 20 really fucking kinda, minutes left or so. At, by I that agree. Point. I trust me. Did you not hear the first part of my review? I and heard I it. Just, I just did not get this movie at all. I was bored to tears, but once it got to that one part and I'm not, please don't, don't, don't think that I'm recommending this to anybody <laughs> to waste two hours of their time to just to get to the last 20 minutes of this movie. But the last 20 minutes, once that song and then, you know, the way it kind of ended, I said, I said, okay, I can, I can get this because I was recommended by several people to watch this, this movie Scare Package, and everybody loves this movie, and I can't, I, I, I see nothing redeeming about that movie, but, and I've been told by hundreds of people that that, that I'm wrong in that thought, but this one, I, at least, I can see with the last twenty minutes where somebody is like, hey. You know, this this has some redeeming qualities and 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 I like ashes and the, the chemistry between the characters and, you know, that that uh, Rebecca Drysdale actually does come back at the very end and does a little little bit of what she's doing. And I don't know, I, I low taste it, borderline taste it for me. Just basically the last 20 minutes redeemed it for me. Wow. Uh, yeah, so exactly when I turned it off. I was like, I'm fucking out on this shit. I'm just so done. I don't even care anymore. I'm yeah, glad. I mean, I, I'm definitely not going to tell you to go back and finish it. That's for sure. I don't know. Now <laughs> but, now I feel like I have to. God damn it. 
No, I mean, like, I don't. Uh, I, I maybe it's because I watch so much horror with like doing the uh, spooky fest and stuff. Like, I, I'm a horror like nerd, and I've seen so much of the same stuff like over and over that I think I don't know. For me, this was just like a breath of fresh air for me. Like, I, I get it's not for everybody, but uh, for me, I don't know. I, I liked it. Like the only redeeming part in the first like hour and a half is the fact that his hand like kind of became the werewolf hand. Yeah. You know, and I liked I did like that. If there was like maybe five more incidences of of, of that, then I kind of would have been drawn in. But it was literally just two people talking in a cabin. And yeah. and not really even telling scary stories. Nothing was scary about their stories. And they nothing was cliche. like original or new or fun. I, yeah. 100%. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It just wasn't for me. I'm glad you guys liked it more than I did. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that's Scare Me on Shudder. Let's take a quick break, and we'll come back with more Good Pop, Bad Pop. Sounds good. Hi. I sound like Morgan Freeman. I bet most of you do some online shopping with Amazon. It's just so easy. I myself logged in today to buy adult diapers. No, I'm not embarrassed. I have zero shame, and I really don't give a fuck what you think. I'm at that age. You'll get here, too, one day. And don't think that you won't, you naive asshat. One day, you, too, will be just like Jamie Lee Curtis, and shitting your body weight in Dan and yogurt, and the next thing you know, you'll be on Amazon ordering adult diapers saying, Holy shit, that freckled face fucker was right. Anyway... The whole point of this is to tell you that PopCultureLeftovers.com has an Amazon shopping link. What that means is when you click on the link from their website, it helps the show. It doesn't charge you extra at all. You just shop like you regularly would, and Amazon takes care of the rest. It's easy and convenient, just like these diapers. I literally blew up this diaper while recording this ad. Hashtag truth. All right, hey, we are back with more good pop, bad pop. I wanted to talk. I, you know, last week I said I was not going to go to the movie theater. I did. I ended up going. I just fucking wanted to get the fuck out of the house, and so I went to the theater last week and I watched the new Evan Rachel Wood movie, Cajillionaire. Uh, a woman's life is turned upside down when her criminal parents invite an outsider to join them on a major heist. They're planning. It's written and directed by Miranda July. I've never seen anything from this writer or this director, uh, from this uh, writer and director. This one stars, like I said, Evan Rachel Wood. Deborah Winger is in this. Gina Rodriguez and Richard Jenkins. It's from Plan B and Annapurna Pictures. Plan B is Brad Pitt's production company, if you didn't know that. But um, you meet this when you first, you meet this family it's made up of Evan Rachel Wood, Richard Jenkins, and Deborah Winger. And they basically, they're, they're kind of just a family of, uh, scammers and thieves. And they just find different ways to scam and, 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 and steal money. And, um, they're, they owe $1,500 to their, uh, in back rent to their landlord. So they're trying to get $1,500 together. And, uh, when you first meet them, they're gonna steal from, this post office. So 
Evan Rachel Wood's character, she plays her character's name is Old Dolio. That's her real legal name, Old Dolio. And the name is actually addressed in the movie. They tell you why she's named Old Dolio. But um she has timed the security cameras the way that they move. She has timed them so she can like do like these parkour moves to get into the post office unseen by cameras. She's got a key to a safety deposit box. She reaches her hand through there and she like feels around to the left or right and steals other people's shit that they have in their safety deposit boxes. And then they just take whatever they steal that day and and you know try to sell it and get money for it and and they have other scams that they work out and uh they live in an office in this factory that makes it's called bubble ink i think and they make like they make bath bubbles or something like that like the the liquid bubble bath shit i get i'm guessing because they all this whole family has these watches that are set with timers because bubbles they live in the office of this bubble factory and at certain times of the day bubbles come through the walls where they live and they have to they have to take uh trash cans and scoop up all the bubbles and then put them down the drain in the bathroom Otherwise, these bubbles will take over and ruin all their shit where they live. And anyway, they pull up, they try doing this one scam with the airport. They end up meeting Gina Rodriguez's character in this movie. And, um, this is such a quirky, weird movie. It's a, Labeled as a comedy, and there are definitely parts of comedy in this one, but it's such a quirky, weird indie film. Parts of it I just thought were ridiculous, but then overall, I absolutely loved this movie. It's something I will watch again. I'm going to give it a Tupperware. Audiences are really kind of like not enjoying this one. Critics, it's I think it's like an 88% or something like that, or 90% or something. And audiences have kind of like given it a rotten score and are not digging it. And I can understand that. I can get, I can get it. But for me, it just worked and I highly recommend watching this one, giving it a shot when it does come out, uh, to rent. It's called, uh, Kajillionaire. And, uh, if you want to see it in the theaters now, you can if you have theaters open near you. And so I, I loved it. I, I thought it was a lot of fun and I'm glad that I went out to see it. And this is not something that obviously that that you feel that we need to go and see in theaters, clearly, right? Uh, if, I mean, if you feel like you need to want to go out and see it, like if you're into independent films and, and weird kind of like quirky comedies and you feel comfortable going to the theater, then watch it. But otherwise, yeah, just wait to rent this one. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was the theaters by me were open up, man. I went to theater one time. I saw New Mutants, and uh, I mean, there was like two people in there. Yeah, so. yeah, there was probably four people in my theater when I went, and I sat in the middle. The other people sat in the front, and then the other people sat in the back. So, um, yeah, this this movie is weird. It is super weird, and you find out you find out that the relationship that Old Dolio has with their parents is not a healthy one. 
they've raised her without any affection at all, giving her any affection. It's uh it's definitely a weird kind of like character thing. That yeah, I, I I would recommend seeing this one though. Anyway, um, did anybody watch any episodes of Tiny World on Apple TV? Yeah, I watched the first one. How many? Did you watch any more than that? Um, I watched a couple, but I didn't watch them in order. Like I, I picked ones that I thought I'd be into. Yeah, it's a look at the world through the eyes of the tiniest creatures and witness the extraordinary things they do to survive. So it's like an animal documentary, and uh, it's uh, it's called Tiny World. It's narrated by Paul Rudd, who is tiny himself in Ant Man. Apple, you've outdone yourself with this narrator. She's meta. So fucking meta. Um, I watched the first episode, Savannah, but there's six episodes total. Uh, other episodes are Jungle, Island, Outback, Woodland, and Garden. So they're going to be exploring all the animals in the Jungle, Island, Outback, uh, Woodland, Forests, and, and even in your own garden. But uh, wh- which ones did you watch, Winkler? Uh, I watched uh, Woodlands and Gardens. Woodlands and garden, Gardens. I yeah, watched, I'm, in, I'm into that shit, man. I watched uh, Savannah, so I just watched the first episode. I watched it in order. Um, I fucking love this, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> first episode, they get into like some of these small creatures in the Savannah that I didn't even like. I'd never even heard of an elephant shrew. I knew what a shrew was, but I never heard of an elephant shrew. And they sure. talk, and they, it, the, it's amazing that they can get cameras to film all Dude. the things that they get. It's just, inc- and they, and then they, they introduce this elephant shrew, then they introduce these mongoose, and these mongoose live in these termite mud holes, and these termite mud holes are made, these, these huge mud holes that are made by these termites, and they live in them, and the termites just form mud, and they spit on uh, they have like this, the, they spit on the mud and it makes these, it makes it hard as concrete. And then so these mongoose live in there and then the mongoose will come out and they see this warthog and one of them is, this warthog just lays down and this mongoose gets on his back and starts like eating, <laughs> eating the ticks off of the warthog. So like they have like this, symbiotic relationship it's fucking cool like i learned so much about these fucking little tiny animals i loved it i give it a tupperware i can't wait i'm seriously gonna watch the other five episodes what'd you think winkler dude yeah i'm I'm right with you man i'm tupperware in this um yeah I'm i'm a big fan of these man planet earth blue planet um i watched like i said the woodland and gardens episodes and um it was truly amazing, some of these shots. Like, I felt like there was one where a beetle was boring into an acorn before it was ripe, like while it was still in the tree, and laying its larva into the acorn. And then once it fell to the ground, once it um, became seasoned, then the uh, baby beetles crawled out of it. And I'm just like, what the hell? Like, this is, like, bizarre stuff. Wait, so, wait. So I'm not sure, like, what? Oh, Baby sorry. beetles come out of acorns? Yeah. The, these beetles lay hundreds of larvae into these acorns. And then once they fall from the tree, the beetles crawl out of the acorns. That's fucking nuts, dude. I'm glad we don't have to do shit like that, like jerk off into an <laughs> acorn and then like shove it in a vagina or something. Dude. <laughs> That'd be fucked up, wouldn't it? 
Dude, like, the, yeah, I mean, it was, you know, like you said, man, you're watching this and you're just like. That gives a total new shocked. meaning. It gives a total new meaning to busting a nut, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, yeah. Sorry. But, dude, like like, like you said, dude, like Paul Rudd narrating it is like a nice touch, dude. Like, it, he really does have a nice voice. So, you know, lay back, throw this on your 4K big screen and enjoy it, man. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's fucking beautiful. Oh, so well shot. Like, it's gorgeous. Little animals. Little baby animals. When you guys first started talking, but I thought you were talking about tiny creatures on Netflix. Have you seen that show? No. That is absurd. Like, it's nothing, it's nothing like what you guys are talking about. (laughs) What is that about? Okay, so do your favor, (laughs) do yourself a favor and watch one episode of Tiny Creatures on Netflix. It's like this dramatic, um, almost as dramatic as the sirens. It's this dramatic, like, live shot of, of animals. Like they, like the first episode, they followed this little rat, this little mouse. Yeah. And they like, it like goes on this adventure and, but it's, but it's, but it's the actual footage of, of, of a mouse. Oh, and it like That's encounters like other like hostile things and like tells the story of what this mouse is thinking and what this mouth, it's, it's absolutely absurd. I, it sounds fun, man. Well, yeah. I, I, yeah, I bet you some people love this thing. Yeah, but I mean, it's it's like this. Like, is it like narrated? Finally, is it narrated by uh, Rick Moranis? Morgan Freeman. No, Rick Moranis' oh. kids that got shrunk in uh, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. <laughs> Dude, you gotta watch this shit. It's, oh my god! So like, so like, solid pull. The very beginning, like its mother gets eaten by this snake, right? Oh, and much. and like. Then this thing's like, oh, how am I going to like survive on my own? Like I'm just a baby little mouse. And and then like it goes on this adventure and it meets all these other random creatures and like has to run for its life from like hawks and and and, and, and scorpions and all kinds of shit. And then it like sees another mouse that fights this scorpion. But no, 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 they did not fuck. <laughs> I don't know where you're getting. I don't know where you're getting that information. <laughs> Dude, they fucked on top of an acorn. <laughs> so then, like, he meets this 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 hawk that was that was gonna you know trying to attack him, and then he's what decides, if they got taught? What if no, the no, mouse no. got attacked by Hawk from the Legion of Doom, the wrestler? I thought wow. it was Hawk from Cobra Kai. I'm sorry, that was oh, a dumb wow. joke. Anyway, not not mine was. Yours was yours was uh, equally dumb. But man, mine was mine was pretty dumb too. So an actual hawk, I don't know what kind of species it is, is like at the end of this this mouse's journey, and and he says, okay. So this mouse thinks, oh, I'm gonna get this hawk to fight this snake that killed my mom. So it runs away, and this hawk like follows it, like trying to tracking it, and it goes back to its house where the snake lives now, because the snake killed his mom and then took over. Oh my god! I feel like I'm, I feel like yeah. I'm watching. Are they I, creating these storylines? Like, no, hundred percent. It's like this weird soap opera, but it's it's like actual live footage of animals. I don't know how they're doing this thing, but it's it's the most absurd thing I've ever seen. It sounds incredible. 
Yeah, that sounds <laughs> awesome, dude, to be honest with you. Like that like like I said, I'm a big fan of these nature docs, dude. Planet Earth, Blue Planet, Finding Bigfoot. But this is like, nothing these are my like shit. that though. This is I watched, nothing like that. I watched Blue Planet too, but it was like on Pornhub and it was just a bunch of fucking blowjob videos. <laughs> Eiffel 65 is playing in the background. Yeah. Dude, um, I fucking was driving around last week and on the naked. side, not naked. That's a previous episode. People won't get that joke unless they heard it. That is illegal, by the way. It is illegal. But I was driving around and on the side of the road and I drive like through countryside a lot and, and, um, I fucking saw a bald eagle. Land. I was just like, I was fucking blown away. I, I know that they're around here, but I'd never like seen one like out in nature and shit. And I was just like, holy fuck, you majestic looking son of a bitch. And you just turned on Freedom Rock. Yeah, and you were dude, like, this is, I'm feeling this. It was, fu- yeah, it was fucking incredible. I turned on, I listened to the Eagles. <laughs> oh, it was beautiful. It was yeah, I see them all the time up by me. Really? Yeah. That's crazy. But yeah. I'm in like up, uh, you know, not up upstate New York, but like you know, halfway mark. Yeah, we got a we got a bunch up here. That's crazy. I see a lot of hawks, but I don't see fucking eagles every fucking day. Um, welcome to sudden death. Who who watched Welcome to Sudden Death? I definitely did. Oh, you bet your ass. <laughs> this one stars uh, Michael J. White. In the sequel to the 1995 Jean-Claude Van Damme action flick, um, a security guard battles a group of tech-savvy terrorists after they take hostages inside a basketball arena. Uh, the first one took place during a hockey game. And um, this is on Netflix. Uh, yeah, welcome to Sudden Death. I uh, <laughs> All I have to say about this one, and if you've seen it, <laughs> If you've seen it, you'll understand what I'm saying. If if Nickelodeon made an R-rated action film, this would be it. <laughs> That's such a good way to put it. <laughs> it was this, I don't know what it is about this fucking movie. It is terrible. It is an absolute toss-it. But I was entertained. I was entertained the whole time. Well, then how can you give the toss it? it? Because it's terrible. It's oh, fucking... It's, <laughs> this is a Tupperware. Get out of your own head. It's Tupperware. Are you kidding me? I don't know if you're doing a bit. I'm not doing a bit. This is a fucking Tupperware. From, from, from the first three minutes of this movie to the end, I'm laughing, I'm smiling, I'm having a fucking blast. How can you give a toss it to a movie like this? Because it's oh, such shit. a bad, it's so bad it's that bad. it's good. Terrible acting. But, Looks like it got shot on an iPhone. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's absolutely god awful, but I'm laughing and enjoying this shit for the whole, from the, I was along for the whole, from the minute that they had stereotypical brown terrorists just shocking people. <laughs> <laughs> All the way to the end where there's an explosion off the rafters of an of, of a, oh. uh, sorry sorry if that's a spoiler, but this is a fucking Tupperware. How can you give this a toss it? It's a terrible movie, Dude. but it's entertaining yeah, like, as fuck. I don't I, but I don't I don't know how to I can't justify giving it a Tupperware. I mean, no. are we in film school here? Like, are we talking about the nuances of cinematography? Or are we talking about something that I can put on a Netflix and just fucking enjoy myself? 
<laughs> well, it's like funny you say it like that because, dude, like to be honest with you, I didn't hear much. Like, I, like I was speaking with Brian about it. I was like, hey, do I need to watch like Sudden Death before this? He's like, absolutely not. I was like, all right, well, I didn't hear much about the original, and then I, I popped this one on. Recognized the main actor as um, Gamble from Dark Knight. Oh, he's fucking. He so was the uh, Spawn. He was Spawn in the original. Uh, did you see oh. Spawn's body? Fifty-three-year-old Spawn's body. Jesus Christ! Are you kidding me with this guy? Oh my God! Steroids. Dude, so like the big bad looked like a dollar store Ethan Hawke. The child actors were so off-putting <laughs> that like. It made me like, n- like nauseous. I love, uh, like you said, I it was that. never so bad to where I wanted to turn it off. But yeah. like, this was bad. Yeah, it's super bad. But like, I, I loved how embarrassed <laughs> the son was of his security guard dad. Oh, oh my god, <laughs> dude! They try to set up like this, like son had like little to no respect, which was like planted. So at the end of the movie, he could develop into a good boy. Like, get the fuck out of here! This kid was a shit. <laughs> he was an and then at the end. In the movie, there's like this epic, like catwalk, like fight scene, and dude, they literally the camera would pan back and forth. The fight, the son, the fight, the son, the fight, the daughter, the fight, the son, and like the son ran out of like emotion, so he just grabbed the back of his neck every time, and it was like so bizarre. I was like, "What the? Who the fuck edited this shit?" Fucking uh, Steven is just like on the edge of his seat in that final fight. Absolutely, oh. I was. <laughs> I didn't know if the guy was going to land on the sun or what the fuck was going to happen, but I was all in. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't know. This wasn't amazing. The janitor was the shit. The janitor was the only like for me. The janitor was the only saving grace for this movie. The first time you see that head janitor, dude. The first time you see the janitor, the janitor, the Gus, he walks up to the security guard. I was like, "What's up, tight shirt?" I was like, "Okay, that's it. (laughs) That's my dude right there." He just called the dude tight shirt, dude. When when Michael J. White's new kids popped out of that acorn at the end of the movie, I was just like, "What the fuck? (laughs) Oh my god!" Are you guys telling me that the scene that was in the locker room where they were fighting, they were karate style fighting, and the like the dude's dead body just like fell off the top of the lockers? That, I laughed out loud. Come oh, on, yeah, man. Dude, this that fight choreography was like what's so funny is like the, the main character was like the main character Jesse was like, We're all trained Navy SEALs and all the shit, bro. They were fighting like dude, it was so bad. The choreography was terrible. Michael J. White is like a legit fucking martial artists though like no like that's what made it like so bizarre because these like um these henchmen that they would come across every like 10 minutes or so were just fucking bad didn't he play um jackson like the mortal Kombat online yes he did yeah yeah cool dude when he rolled through that window with a t-shirt cannon dude that was fucking shit oh it's all the shit but you're tossing it yeah, like I, it, I tossed it. It's like a I toss said, it of a yeah. movie, but it's fucking entertaining to watch. I don't know how else I can, like, I can't yeah. say like this is like a, a c- cinematic masterpiece. The thing is, is when you say toss it, people are gonna be like, okay, well, I don't have to watch this, dude. You should watch this. Oh, you gotta watch it though. No, I should watch yeah. this movie. That's how I'm grading it. It's an absolute toss it, but you gotta watch it <laughs> to believe Did you see it. The mid credit scene. I what? 
Yeah, buddy. <laughs> Shut oh, the fuck no. up. I'm just going to say this one thing. Sequel's on its way, bro. Oh, and I, and I, and I cannot wait for the sequel. Sunday you didn't see the three. mid-credits, Ween? The mid-credits scene? No, I didn't. No. It, once, <laughs> like, dude, once the, uh, yeah. I think, once that billionaire lady who you really don't even know who oh, she is, really, you just know she cool. owns the building, she offered him a head security job. Saying she paid seven figures. I was like, what the fuck are you? What world are you living in? <laughs> okay, so the mid credit scene, I don't I, I guess, uh, you know what? I, I can't spoil this, this masterpiece of a movie, though. But <laughs> gotta watch it. In this mid credit scene, the, the paramedics go in into <laughs> the locker room and they say, the guy said there was three bodies in here, but there's only two. Oh, oh. shit. Oh, oh shit! The one dude fucking made it out. Yeah, the bald guy. He was badass. Yes, he was. That guy was fucking. He could he might fight have been like the most badass. He was super well, not badass. The most badass. The second most badass. You mean? Yeah, I mean, okay. as far as the bad guys go, because like that, like I said, man, that Dollar General fucking uh, Ethan Hawke was just bad. Oh, dude, he <laughs> Dollar dude, he General was a cold Ethan pursuit, And I love that movie too. <laughs> <laughs> say, say what you want to say about the what's his name Liam Neeson, but but Cold Pursuit was awesome. He's that Dollar General Ethan Hawke. I stand by that. Yeah, he's like on he's clearance rack Ethan Hawke. <laughs> <laughs> he's like he's like he's the Ethan Hawke that fucking Taco Bell says they're not going to carry anymore. <laughs> <laughs> You're off the menu, pizza boy. <laughs> He's he's the shredded chicken value menu at Taco Bell. It's gonna be gone soon. Get it while you can. Oh my oh, god! My fucking Tupperware, man. Fuck. You know what? Fuck it. It is a Tupperware. Welcome to yeah. sudden death. Welcome oh, to sudden death. Man. It's an absolute Tupperware. You know it's a Tupperware. I the part where he said, "Give me a slice," and the guy walked up with the knife and he's like, <laughs> talking about the apple, and he wanted a slice of apple. Dude, come on, man. Yeah, this movie. The janitor was so good. Dude, when the janitor walked up to the woman henchman and he goes, Hey, Jesse, I got this one under control. And then he just knocked the fuck out. And then she killed herself for no reason. We shot her. She's like, you're gonna regret this. I just shot herself in the head. When I thought. In any other movie, she would have like tried to shoot them, and like the gun wouldn't have worked or something. But like, yeah, she blows her brains out, and the janitor goes, "Damn, that bitch is crazy!" (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god! Uh, Oh fuck it, we'll have a threesome. Go watch it. It's Tupperware. Yeah, Tupperware party, son. Yeah, Tupperware party for Welcome to Sudden Death with Michael J. White. You got to watch it. It's ridiculous. Fargo season four. I don't know. Have you guys watched any of the previous Fargo movie uh, seasons? Uh, One and two. I, I saw one and two as well. I saw one, two, and three. And did you guys watch the premiere episode of Fargo season four? I did. Yep, I saw. I only saw the first though. I watched the first as well. Did you watch? I, I guess they dropped two. Yeah, just one for me. But yes, yeah. there is two available. Yeah, the fourth season. It's uh, written again and directed again by Noah Hawley. Uh, fourth season set in 1950 in Kansas City, and the story follows two crime syndicates as they vie for control. The cast is led by Chris Rock, who plays Loy Cannon, uh, the head of a crime syndicate made up of uh, black. Migrants fleeing the Jim Crow South who have 
a contentious relationship with the Kansas City Mafia. Other cast members include Jesse Buckley from Taboo, uh, Jason Schwartzman, uh, Ben Wishaw, and Jack Houston. And, um, yeah, I watched this first episode. I'm just going to come I want you guys to talk about it, but I'm just going to come out and say I cannot wait for more of this. Mm-hmm. It's an absolute topperware for me, this first episode. I'm a huge fan of Fargo. But uh, what do you think, fair. Winkler? Oh, I love, love, love Fargo the movie. And um, as far as the series goes, uh, like I said, I watched seasons one and two. Loved them. I just, you know, it, it's I meant to watch three. Haven't got around to it. You know how it goes sometimes. But um, going into these types of, like, anthologies, you never know what you're going to get. And um, for them to go old school gangster route was so exciting for me. Um, the different gangs are all acted well. Um, you know, the language switching between like Italian and all that is pretty nice. Adds like a layer of authenticity. But uh, my favorite is Chris Rock, man. Like he's typically thought to be like this funny guy, like all this. But I was impressed with him. I I think he can you know, act a certain way that brings, like, this sense of dread to a situation. Like, his character has this, like, uh, rigidity to him that it just, it draws you in. And uh, it's very compelling to see, like, what he's going to do with the rest of the season. Because after one episode, man, he's looking really good. And um, also, Jesse Buckley. Like, oh. she's a standout. Like, dude, these next couple of years are going to be her years, dude. She is going to be fucking huge. I like, kept wondering. I've like, loved her stuff so far, but after this, man, she's she's on her way up. Yeah, she was in Chernobyl for like five minutes. but Yeah, like what a waste. <laughs> she's great. I think she's fantastic. I loved her in Taboo. Um, dude, I yeah, I, I, Chris Rock, I think uh, he's still doing that fucking Saw movie. That blows me away. Yeah. <laughs> that blows me. Anyway. I, but then again, I, I didn't see him as a, like a gangster either, you know? Yeah. Well, no, I, I loved him in Top 5. I don't know if you guys ever saw that movie, but I love Top 5. But Chris Rock is fucking excellent in this. And I think, like, I kept wondering, like, what's the Fargo, North Dakota connection here? And then we get that reveal about Jesse Buckley's character and... Oh my god, her character in this. I she's gonna have a lot of fun with this role. I cannot wait. What'd you think, Steven? I really like this one. Uh I like the direction they're going. I'm 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 absolutely very excited to see. I didn't see season three, so I was kinda confused, like, why are we in Kansas City? Um and I thought, well maybe that's kind of a dumb question because season three was also a different city and and, and, and it's just kind of they've kind of broken away. But then I kind of realized what's happening. I really like the direction they're going. I like the the gang mentality. I like the backstory we got to see. Uh, I like Chris Rock's uh, gang. Clearly rooting for him. Clearly rooting for them to to, to win this one. And, and um, what's the actress's name? You said Jesse Buckley. Jesse Buckley. Yeah. Oh God. I mean, definitely the standout of the episode. Yeah. Um, I really hope that uh, we that we get to focus a lot on her. I found myself um kind of being taken out a little bit of the story by uh rushmore by uh oh schwarzman schwarzman like i it's it's i i kind of feel like he he did he was a little bit out of place 
in this, and maybe as I as I as I go on, I'll, I'll realize that that's just who he is, and he's this guy's son and this big gangster son. But I kind of just his character kind of took me out of it, and then that scene where they're in the bank, and Chris Rock is is kind of like giving this like million dollar idea to this other banker and wants you know, I almost like while he's talking. I don't know what I, I I don't know what it is about me, but all in my head, all I could see is a microphone in his hand and him moving the, the wire and going back and forth on stage. So it kind of like took me out because all I could see is like his stand up while he's doing this. But hopefully, I can just shed that and just enjoy the performance he's putting on here because I I mean I'm hooked. I mean I I, I don't I don't I, I would rate it a high taste. It absolutely. Uh, it's just a couple of the factors that kind of like I, I was instead of focusing on the story, I'm thinking about Chris Rock. I'm thinking about why they're not in Fargo and those kind of things. Well, I mean, I think I, from what I've heard is uh, it, it's Kansas City is teased in the first season. And so I guess we're yeah. seeing and like, you know, like they, they all the seasons have taken place in different time periods. I know season two is in the 70s. So. Yeah, they've all taken place in different time periods. Um, what'd you rate this, Winkler? Uh, high taste. High taste. I top where I fucking love it and I can't wait to see more. I love Noah yeah. Hawley. And, uh, I didn't read, did you read his comments on his, uh, Star Trek movie that got canceled? There were comments been, this week. No, this week? No, I Yeah, this week, this week or within the past couple weeks he's had, yeah, no, it was this week. He like, I think he had comments about it. I didn't read the article though. Yeah, I was talking about, you know, because it's still up in the air, whether it's him or Quentin Tarantino. Uh, Tarantino's out. Mm. Oh, 100%? I'm pretty sure. He's If they go go ahead with his idea, he won't be directing it. Okay. Yeah, because I know that it's still not, like, I know that that project is quote-unquote on hold for them. Um, and I thought that everybody is still on the table, but I, I, I guess I'm not following that. But Noah Hawley, it sounds like he's still in the mix, right? I, I don't know. I'd have to read that article. It's out there. Dark Horizons had an article about it. And, uh, about, I think it was about his, um, Star Trek and then also the Doctor Doom movie that, uh, Fox was gonna do before the, uh, Disney acquisition. So. I mean, if, if we could get that. You know, I mean, and combine Noah Hawley with like the Kevin Feige mind. That's not going to happen. It's not happening. Like, we're not going to get that Doctor Doom movie. Kevin Feige has completely different plans for Doctor Doom than what Noah Hawley was going to do. That's not going to happen. But those plans are so far out. You know what I mean? Like, we're talking a good four four years out. Yeah, but like, it's it's still Kevin Feige, and, and like. For him to like work in Noah Hawley's vision for the character with what he plans on doing, I just don't see it happening. Yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, it, he does have a way to do things, and he has a, a has a box that he likes to put everything into. And I don't see how Noah Hawley fits into that box. So, yeah, I can understand that. South Park pandemic special. <laughs> Watch this. <laughs> yeah. So. What's that, Steven? Did you watch it? Yes, sir. I saw it. Yeah. Uh, Randy comes to terms with his role in the COVID-19 outbreak as the ongoing pandemic presents continued challenges to the citizens of South Park. 
The kids happily head back to school, but nothing resembles the normal that they once knew. Not their teachers, not their hometown, not even Eric Cartman. Um, yeah, this is, I think this is the first South Park hour special that's ever been released. Um, I know that they had the movie, of course, but I don't think they've ever done an hour special before. And this is the pandemic special. Um, Randy was a big player in this one. I wanted more Cartman. I'm going to give it a Tupperware, but I wanted more Cartman. I did want more Cartman. We got a lot of Randy. Um, I guess like the big, (laughs) the big moment that we get to see, we get to see see Randy Marsh fuck a bat. So rant, rant, I get, okay, so Randy, like, he's the one who started COVID-19 because he, he thought it was because he fucked a rat, a bat, but then he, he later fucked a pangolin. I love how they portray Mickey Mouse in this, in this Dude, show. Dude, it's so funny. Oh, it's oh. so good. Yeah. What'd, I, what'd you guys think and give me your rating? Tupperware. 100% Tupperware. This shit was amazing. Cartman has this whole thing figured out, man. Like, it just, he has this fantastic musical number. He has a six foot distancing pole that's just used hilariously. Like, like <laughs> yeah. you said, we need more Cartman, man. Like, yeah. I really think South Park, like, does everything right in this, dude. Like, this special literally tackles every aspect that has happened in these past six months in a really funny way. Like, there's a hilarious backstory to the virus's origin, including a bat and a pangolin. And, like, that shit had me in tears, dude. Like, I was laughing my ass off (laughs) on those scenes, dude. It was like a fucked up version of The Hangover. But... It was... Crazy, dude. Like, they take jabs at Disney. They take jabs at school systems, police, of course, politics. Like, dude, this is a genuine fucking fun fucking time and in a much needed time. Well, like, this is all day Tupperware. For everybody that's like dropped off of South Park, like, you don't understand. Like, the last like three, four seasons have just been so fucking spectacular. They've been so funny. You can say whatever you want about. Stone and Parker and South Park and, and say, oh, I'm not interested in that cartoon. That's, you know, that's been going on forever. That's played out. But there's nothing that's on TV that's more talk, topical and on point than South Park. And it's amazing that they come out week after week with something that's so relevant. Like, I mean, there, there was that special, I think that was on Netflix, that, that, that talked about how they have like four days to make an episode every week. And you can see it. You can see that 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 they are on the pulse, and not they make fun of themselves. I mean, one of the little like sea stories in the whole episode is that do we need a pandemic special? Right, right. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I mean, they're making fun of themselves for making a pandemic special. Yeah, they're Dude. very self aware, and that- they're clearly right. You know, left wing people. So they can make the fun of the right wing side, but also make fun of the left. I mean, they make fun of themselves all the time. And it's such a you want to talk about fair and balanced like that show makes fun of everybody. Yeah. Without without any kind of like agenda whatsoever. When the police lost their funding and then they get their funding back. 
Oh, and they and start the music playing, starts playing and when they got, like tanks and shit. They're playing. Oh Mot- my God. They're playing Motley Crue's Wild Side as the cops have <laughs> tanks and are. machine guns and they're just killing anyone <laughs> and having a great time. I was like, this is just so fucked up, but also so. Oh my god, so funny. Oh my god, it was just so fucked up. Cause like, they can just turn anything into, um, I don't know, comedy gold. It's really funny. And you know how hard it is to touch on all of these topics in an hour special? Yeah. Like, every single topic was covered. We, we they talked about the chin diapers. Oh, you know, hilarious. when you go to a store, you see constantly see people wearing their mask down on their chin. You know, you got the, 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 the going back to school and then the Zoom education and how that's not really working. Oh, so funny. You know, you talk about making money off the pandemic, which is a real thing. You know, you're talking about fake news and, you know, the, the, just the whole Trump thing and hey, 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 no politics. Oh, no, 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 no. Knock I'm it saying. off. I'm saying that I don't I don't even want to hear hit. that name on the podcast. We can't Sorry. do that. Stop it. They can hit on all these topics in one hour and still make it like entertaining and funny. I mean, that those are genius guys. I'm sorry. That whole staff is genius. Yeah. Let's uh let's move on. Let's move on. I got we got to move on. I'm not upset. You just got to move on from that one. Did anybody watch American Murder the Family Next Door on Netflix? Yeah. yeah, I've heard of this story before, and um, it's it's a uh, it's a documentary. It's back in 2018. I don't know if I want to talk about this one. To be quite honest with you, it's fucking terrible, dude. Yeah, I don't even know if I want it's to really talk about it. Terrible, man. Wait, what do you mean by terrible? Oh no, well, I mean like the story. The story, yeah, yeah. It, the thing about this this is that the story is. Is common in, in in the world, and that's really super unfortunate. But that story is nothing new. But the way that they portrayed this story, think about it. There was no narration whatsoever. There well, was no it, it, like you're saying. I'm sorry, real quick. But they like, should have really had. They should have had Paul Rudd. This, they should have had Paul Rudd narrate this. This thing, story, the, dude. This story narrated itself, man, dude. But that's what I'm saying. We've never seen anything cameras, like this. We've never seen anything that the like house this. House had cameras everywhere means that you saw it as it was unfolding, which made not, it even that much more like not, fuck not just dreadful. the house, Michael, not just the house, but the fact that this woman put their entire lives on Facebook. Well let me let me let me give the synopsis. Back in twenty eighteen, thirty eight year old Shannon Watts and her two youngest daughters disappeared in Colorado. With the heartbreaking details emerging, the family story made headlines around the world. I think I watched like a dateline or something about this. I watched something about this and I had forgotten all about it and then I was as as I was watching I you know when certain things are revealed in this documentary it it, it all came back to me but um yeah this was a hard watch man like I, I I got emotional about the the two young girls in this one yeah you you know why you got emotional because this is the first time that you've ever watched something like this that didn't just so show a couple of still photos that yeah. showed like 15 to 20 minutes of actual footage Sing, of these little girls. Yeah, singing songs and, and, uh, um, you know. I've, I've seen nothing like this in my life. And yeah. This, this was incredible. 
it's fucking heartbreaking, man. I, I, it's hard for me to even like rate this one. You know, like, oh, it was a Tupperware. I absolutely, yeah. absolutely loved it. No, I was just, I was watching this and just kind of like, how can, how can something like this even happen? This is just so terrible. This is so terrible. How can this happen? Brian, think Dude, about like, this. I'm sorry. Think about this, Brian. This is the first time ever that we mass have seen a, a, a killer the moments after he made a kill live on TV. Like we're watching his actual physical emotion and like his presence on TV. We've never seen that before. Oh, there's a spoiler. There's a spoiler for Dude. you, everybody. I mean, well, I mean, like real quick, Stephen, like, like, like you just said, um, how you get to see his, like, you know, you get to see his body language. You get to see him like hours after this was done. What was so jarring to me, not only you brought up the fact that, um, we did see footage of the daughters and the, and, um, Shanann and that, was also another element that was brought into it. But when you see the police officer's body cam and her best friend, Nicole, at the house, and you see her body language versus her husband's, it's just immediately, you know, like, this dude fucking did it. Like, dude, she is like, oh, my God, her phone's here. Oh, my God, that's not right. And her husband's like, well, maybe she forgot it. Like, dude, no. Like, you're getting an inside, like, look on what just like like you said moments after this was done it's what about insane. the neighbor when the neighbor says as soon as the guy leaves yeah. the room the neighbor goes oh something he's he's off They're, he's fidgeting yeah. around he's off yeah but like we've never seen that before and all of and dude that- did you see him when they looked at the footage at the neighbor's house he was like wiping his forehead he was like oh fuck what's going to be on this camera because he's never seen that angle Michael, you know i think it's important he's like holy that- shit that- I think it's important that that as you're watching this, you realize that this isn't a reenactment like we've seen for the last 15, 20 years in in these stories that we've seen a 100 times in documentaries. We're actually watching this person pretending to be concerned. In in real life, we're watching him on a body cam from a police officer with no, like, voiceover, no reenactment, no dramatics, no music. We get to see the fucking – we get to watch the the, uh, lie detector test as it's being conducted. Dude, this is, like, as raw as it gets, man. My hand was over my mouth the entire time I was watching this. I was was tense – there was it was weird. It was like I, I was watching a horror movie. How can we have more feelings about this guy's daughters than he did? It's oh, fucked up. That's the right. world we live in. That's fucked up. Yeah, Jesus. and like you said, man. Like, like you said, Brian. Like, I don't like. Obviously, I agree that this was like very well made and like well executed. But like, I really can like I, I can't give this like. I taste for a Tupperware and like feel good about it. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah, it's obviously yeah, like yeah. really well done, but I just after watching it, man, I'm just like heartbroken. If you're into true crime and you want to watch something that's heartbreaking and um, just shows you how monsters live among us, like watch American Murder: The Family Next Door. It is uh, wow. Yeah, I think it's like an hour and twenty minutes, and yeah. um, I. Uh, I had to finish it, but man, it's not like I felt it, it was, it's not a feel good movie. You don't feel good after watching it at all. So no, I mean, nothing good comes of this. And well, the thing is that 
we're going to see a lot more stuff like this. You know, the the age that we're in, with everybody putting their lives all out there. I mean, once again, I, I keep repeating myself, but there was no narrator here. We heard it from the voice of the actual people talking. We heard the wife talking and telling the story, and and we're going to see a lot more of this going forward. And this is as as real and as raw as you can get. And if you have children. I would imagine this is a tough watch. I don't have children. Uh, I, you know, I, I sat here and I watched this thing, and at the end, I, I was glad I watched it. But at the same time, it's like if I, I don't know how I can recommend this if you have children. Why did that guy punch Rick Moranis? You guys have no idea what I'm talking about, do you? Spaceman? <laughs> no. You didn't hear about this in the news today? No. Rick Moranis got fucking punched by a guy. <laughs> what? <laughs> Dude, Google this shit, man. Google that shit. Right, why, the fuck, why the fuck did Rick Moranis get punched? Some guy, like, randomly punched Rick Moranis. He had nothing to do with that Ghostbusters reboot. Holy shit. That at least got my, like, mood back to, like, stable. But I used to sell apples to Rick Moranis, dude. What? 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 Yeah. What? You sell apples, to, dude? That's like, I like it's obscure and shit. But anyone that's like on social media with me, I'm hustling apples. I used to fucking sling apples, bro, down in New York. Okay, so you used to sell. I know nothing about this. You got to no. You got you, you can't just <laughs> say right, yeah. something like that. Oh, no, no. And then I'll, I'll not, you, like, we're talking in, galas. Um, we're talking Fuji's. Oh, we're talking, talking what, what galas, Fuji's, Honeycrisp, Pink bro, Ladies, we're talking, uh, the creme of the crop. But no, nah, I used to work at a farm up here, upstate New York. We used to uh, bring down uh, farmers markets down New York City, Lincoln Center, uh, Tribeca, and uh, Harlem. Um, and yeah, uh, Tony Danza was a regular. Um, Rick Moranis was a regular. Uh, we had, we had a bunch of people. Uh, fuck, I forget his name right now, which is embarrassing. But the uh, Uncle Tio from Breaking Bad, he was a regular in Tribeca. Yeah, we, we, yeah, I had a lot of regulars. Did you ever want to punch Rick Moranis as you sold him an apple? Was there ever uh, any like moment where you're like, man, I want to punch this guy? I mean, he's just a sweet person. Why the fuck did he get punched? He must have done something. He must have bought the wrong apples, bro. It's on video, though, apparently. Yeah, it's on video. And they got a shot of the guy, the guy guy that punched him. <laughs> did he do, like, a punch and run? <laughs> That's, like, the weakest shit, bro. Like, if you're going to fight somebody, you need to, like, square up. You can't just punch him and run. He's got a I love New York shirt on. Yeah. Sweatshirt on. Of course he loves New York because he can just punch people in the face and run away and get away with it. It's fucked up. Anyway. Vampires versus the Bronx. You sold a punch Hold on. You sold apples to Tony Danza? Well, he he bought apples sometimes, but he was always a cider guy. He always got a cider. And apple cider donuts. Oh my god! <laughs> wow! Now I'm learning about like what they enjoy uh, eating. Yeah, 
Yeah. Dude, Anthony Danza, no lie, bro, was like the nicest fucking human being I think has ever been like blessed on this earth, dude. He would literally have an umbrella and be like dancing in the rain. Like, no lie, man. This is like, this is a real talk, man. Nice guy. Great guy. Tony Danza. I can't wait. He I'm looking. Christmas cards. He did what? He brought us Christmas cards. What a sweetheart. We were his Apple stand, bro. I can't Dude, wait. people in New York appreciate their Apple stands. That's crazy. Do you know who used to bring us Christmas cards? Was uh, Do you remember William Hung? The yeah. The guy that was on... Uh, American Idol. Yeah, American Idol. He used to play poker in the, in the, in the poker room in Vegas. And every Christmas he would come by and bring us all, all the dealers Christmas cards. I remember that episode Dude. of Arrested Development that he was on in season three. It's funny. He was a sweet man. He was a sweet man. Those are like the real people that like that you can tell are like genuine people that care about, you know, like they care. You tell. I've learned so much about both of you right now. It's it's great. Like like if we get Christmas cards from like famous people. Winkler, (laughs) I feel I feel like I've beat Lenny and Mark to like your like the Michael Winkler. What's your story? Where like I've beat them to the whole selling apples to Tony Danza and Rick Moranis story, and the one guy, (laughs) and the one guy from Breaking Bad who we don't know his name. Uncle (laughs) Tio. Uncle Tio from Breaking Bad. (laughs) This episode's terrible. Bingo. <laughs> this episode. That's a bingo. Right, we can't make any apple cider out of this fucking episode. No, you make shit cider, though. Yeah, yeah. Is, I should just title the episode Shit Cider. Dude, you got it, dude. That's hey, like wait. some drowning Mona shit, dude. I love that movie. Oh, man. Ah, Vampires versus the Bronx on Netflix. Uh, when gentrification... From an unlikely and deadly source creeps into the Bronx, a group of teenage friends rally to save the beloved local bodega and fight against a supernatural force intent on taking over their home at all costs. Stars Sarah Gadon, uh, Chris Red, we just talked about him, uh, the Kid Miro, Method Man, Shea Wiggum, Vladimir Komano, Jaden Michael, a bunch of other fucking people. Um, what'd you think? Oh, God, I, I didn't really like this, to be honest with you. Um, I'm going to give it a low taste that it was just like, it took, it took like all these, you know, monster movies with kids and stuff and tried to, we didn't even get the first fucking, uh, vampire death until like 17 minutes until the movie's about to end. We didn't get anything. Yeah. We, there was no action. It was just all bullshit for like the first hour and 15 minutes of this fucking movie. And then. I don't know. I, I, if I want to watch some, something with kids and monsters that's fun, I'll watch Monster Squad for the 27th time. I won't be watching Vampires vs. the Bronx ever again. Huge low taste it from me. I was just not a fan of this. Winkler, what'd you think? Uh, yeah, I'm on board with you with low taste it. Um, I always love a good vampire movie. Um, I can see where this is trying to go. Uh, with these group of kids trying to save the neighborhood, the kids do have great chemistry and like their comedic timing is, I think, beyond their years at some points. Like they're pretty good. Um, you know, like the vampire design is lackluster. Their kills are lackluster. Um, but like I said, like the story of a neighborhood being taken over by real estate moguls 
has been done ad nauseum. But, like, add in some vampires and maybe it'll work. But, um, yeah, if it wasn't for, like, the kids being decent, uh, I'd probably toss this. Um, yeah, I mean, low taste it, man. I did like like their training. Like, they, like, trained a little bit and they watched, like, Blade, which is pretty cool. They had, uh, like you said, they had some cameos. Uh, Chris Red was the DJ. Um Method and uh, Method love, Man was the priest. Yeah, I love <laughs> Method Man, but he sucked in this. <laughs> yeah, it was like obscure. So yeah, a little taste for me. Method Man was not fun at all in this movie, and I loved him. No, he's have like a big cross. You're like, hey, what's up, man? <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah, I don't know. What'd you think, Steven? I give it a taste. It. I mean, I I think it's. Uh, I think the child actors actually did a pretty good, decent job. The vampire element of it was really underdeveloped. Obviously, like you mentioned. I think that this movie really his main purpose was its message about the gentrification of the Bronx, I guess. Uh, and, you know, white people moving in and, and, and taking over. I, I think that that's what was going on here. Um, yeah, I mean, what I call it fun and no, I think the bodega owner was probably the best part of the movie. I really find it strange and now this is the second show that i've seen in the last couple of weeks that have made the sammy Sosha joke about his pale skin you know they, they mentioned it in the in the show woke yeah you know and i don't know like uh kind of start to feel bad about sammy for sammy sosa uh using bleach in his creams that he's doing but other than that man i i don't know i think they did an adequate job uh maybe i was younger in my teens that I would possibly enjoy this, but I don't see much of an adventure happening here. It wasn't like, uh, if these four kids, you know, you know, the fourth person didn't even, the, the female didn't even join the group until much later in the movie. But I thought that if, if the four of them like went on an adventure earlier and kind of like got to the heart of the vampires, it would have been a a better action uh, adventure movie. But I give it a taste that if, if, you got nothing else to watch, and 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 you want to see, you know, just a, a story of, of the Bronx, and you're, maybe you're from New York, uh, or from the Bronx, and and you, and you like this kind of stuff, maybe. But other than that, I don't see much reason to watch this. Yeah, if you're from the Bronx, I think this would piss you off even more. I don't know. <laughs> and, and if you want to see, if you want to see Shea Wiggum, character actor Shea Wiggum, make a bad decision, um, watch this movie because, uh, yeah. This is a this is a turd. This is a fucking turd of a movie, in my opinion. Uh, just watch Monster Squad for crying out loud. That's way more fun with kids running around fighting vampires and and other monsters. This is just this is sad. <laughs> sad it might be a little extreme. No, this is sad. Like that. This is. Like, well, it's just the vampires had no like rhyme or reason. There's well, they're you know they're they're buying up the neighborhood and shit like that. But like it's just like I don't know, just fucking oh god. When they they called that main vampire Hamilton, yeah, I thought it was pretty good because his profile looked a little bit like uh, Lynn from the side with the ponytail. Well, there you go. There's but, that one moment there you that go. saves the whole fucking movie. <laughs> It's it's like you don't even get to like the big vampire fight until like the last fucking seventeen minutes of this movie. 
Oh, so, oh, God, it was terrible. I don't know. Yeah, vampires versus the Bronx. There you go, everybody. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back with the pop culture. I'm done. I'm done with Goodbye, Peppa. <laughs> I am so fucking done. Spoiler, the Bronx won, bitch. God, I'm done with this. Uh, we'll be back with the news. Welcome back. Yeah, this episode fucking sucks. It is this episode is like it's just more um kind of uh confirmation why K-pop singer Eric Nam's epi- uh, podcast just destroyed ours in the podcast awards. This Funny is, story, Eric, Eric Nam has actually asked me to be on his podcast. Uh, yeah, well, maybe maybe we'll have a chance next year then. Um <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that was mean. <laughs> That's fine. I, I deserved it. Uh, I brought nothing to this podcast. Oh man, let's jump into the pop culture leftovers news. Hear ye, hear ye, read all about it. It's a leftover news, and there's no doubt about it. This news is gangster as fuck, yo. It's gangster as fuck, yo. I got this news from Dark Horizons. Netflix plans. Conan the Barbarian series. I kind of called this. Listen to this. I kind of called this. I'm not saying I called it. But after The Witcher came out, I talked about it and I said, like, if this does well, that Netflix might want to get in on, like, more Swords and Sandals stories. And I even mentioned Conan the Barbarian. And then we get this news. I think, like, I do think that there's a direct connection here. I think... If we look at like Stranger Things and how well it did, it, I mean, we're getting like vampires versus the Bronx where it's kids going out and battling vampires. We got a lot of other shows on TV that are kind of like resembling Stranger Things and trying to cash in on the popularity that is Stranger Things. I think The Witcher did really good for Netflix and they're realizing that there's an audience for swords and sandals type stories and we're getting a Conan the Barbarian series now. Netflix has begun development on a of a live action series based on Robert E. Howard's iconic character Conan the Barbarian, who first appeared in comic books way back in the 1930s. Pathfinder Media are backing the project, which is part of a larger deal with the, for the exclusive rights to the Conan Library, which is currently in the works between Netflix and Conan Properties International, the potential deal would give Netflix the right to adapt Conan properties for film and TV in both the live action and animated spaces. And uh, no deals, no details on the plot or time frame of this new series have been revealed. But, uh, you know, I grew up watching the Arnold Schwarzenegger Conan movies, the two movies that they made. And um, I, the Jason Momoa movie uh, failed and it was not good. But, 
you know, then, you know, I wanted to read, I wanted to know more about Conan. I never went back and read the old comics, but I started with the Brian Wood comic series, which I really enjoyed. And then Jason Aaron did a run with Marvel. That's fantastic. And, um, I don't know about you guys. I I'm excited for this news, but I think it all comes down to casting. Who are they going to cast as Conan? In this series, I think that's really going to be the big tell here is if this show's going to work or not. I mean, 100, 100% agree with that. I mean, there's no there's no question that it's all going to hinge on who they get. Is it? I mean, same with The Witcher, right? I mean, we got The Witcher series and in the same kind of realm. And if it wasn't an actor that we could get behind and like, then would it be, would it have been a, as popular as it was? And, and the answer is definitely not. Uh, if if you don't get the right person here, it's not it's not obviously writer, but most importantly, in my opinion, is actor. Yeah, who do you cast as fucking Conan? I mean, you know, of course, like Arnold back in the day was the perfect choice. I mean, he just had the physique, and um, I mean, yeah, you can go back and watch those movies now. And for me, it's nostalgia. I don't think that they're like amazing you know works but i i think it's for me it's nostalgia and they were just fun they were just fun action movies back in the day i don't know what winkler do you have any connection to the character do you care yeah no no, no. i uh, i definitely care i mean i'm here for this news um i remember watching conan with my pops back when i was a kid dude i always enjoyed it um arnold doing his thing man you know but um like you brought up there's always that question of who is gonna play conan and um there's gonna always be that question like is this person good enough to play him and you know it's all those uh diehard fans so like you mentioned Netflix is going to have the properties for both live action and animated. Is there a scenario where you go animated for this? No, no. This is uh, this is live action series is what they've said they've begun development on. Oh, dang. Uh, in that case, oh, I thought you said um, they had. Uh... No, they have the right. They, like they're look they're they're. Oh, but they this, began developing. This oh, okay. deal would give them the right to adapt. You know, film and TV, both in live action and animated. But what they're going forward with first is live action. Oh, okay, yeah. So if that if that were me, I might have done it like vice versa. Yeah, Brian, do you have uh-huh. a, you have somebody that you have in mind? Uh, honestly, the only person that I can think of right now that I would want to see in the role, possibly, and and have him bulk up for the role is Liam Hemsworth. All right, but I, I don't know. I mean, uh, who else? Who who else can do it? I'm not saying we can't cast um, Chris Hemsworth as everybody. We can't cast The Rock as everybody. Yeah, I mean, I like Terry Crews, but he's a comedic actor. Yeah, he's a comedian, absolutely, very much. But so. I, I, I kind of could see him in that role. No. I can't Nothing. see. I can, no, I I can't see Terry Crews as as Conan. I mean, depending on the direction they're going with the series. Yeah. Are they going lighthearted comedy? My only two questions are: Do we see Red Sonia in the series? Well, Red Sonia, the TV rights are owned. The TV and 
film rights are owned by a different company, I'm pretty sure. Okay, so we don't see Red Sun. No, I mean, unless they work out at some sort of a deal, which which happened in the comic books. They had a Conan and Red Sonja crossover, but, like, between Dark Horse and, I think, IDW or whoever. But Well, I mean, the first appearance of Red Sonja was in a Marvel comic book. Yeah, but Red Sonja has not been in has not been with Marvel in the comics recently. Right. With uh with uh I pretty sure it was I uh, oh, I can't remember who the publisher was, but it's not been Marvel. Conan just recently came back. Conan recently just got acquired by Marvel in the comics. Gotcha. Before that it was Dark Horse. And I'm pretty sure that Red Sonja was IDW, but I could be wrong. So, the, so you're basically saying the chances are low that she's going to be involved in the series. Oh, yeah, yeah. What so, about the chances of, of, of Arnold showing up in a cameo? He's wanting, He's still wanting to, as far as I know, he's still wanting to do the old man Conan movie. Okay. How do you guys feel about uh, maybe like, I know it's like um, past his time uh, with the it's, Rock. I'm sorry, it's a, a big like it's Dynamite. Like, I'm sorry, it's Dynamite who does Dynamite has the Red Sonja comic books. Gotcha. I think. My thing is to, go ahead, go ahead, Winkler. I apologize. Oh no, I was saying like obviously it's past like the time to get like the Rock to do a uh, Netflix show because he's so like humongous right now. But what about like a Dave Bautista or something? I don't. I don't see him doing it. I don't know. I want to see a young. I, I want to see like comedy now, but he could be. He could be a brolic badass. Yeah, I don't know. I think we're just thinking of like big guys that could do it, and I don't. I, I want him to go a little bit younger. And I want somebody that actually knows how to wield a sword that they could train to wield a sword i don't want some skinny little person though what about a okay sword skills or with his lightsaber skills adam driver no (laughs) no no he has sword skills he's jacked yeah I don't want Adam Driver's Conan. I just don't see. It. I don't see that. I just don't see it. Maybe I'm just short-sighted. I just don't see it. But I am looking forward. Uh, maybe I'm just too far-sighted. <laughs> I am looking forward to a Conan series, though. I love the character, and I want to see what they do um, do with it. I don't know. God, it's hard to get excited about anything. Like, when the fuck is anybody going to be able to film anything with COVID? It's ridiculous to think about like when we're going to get real like new stuff and like. When filming is not going to be delayed for stuff. Um, let's move into Marvel news. Uh, this is from Deadline. We got the new, we got the new casting of Miss Marvel. This Iman Velani is going to star in the Disney Plus series. Um, she hasn't done really anything. So I don't know how excited we can get about this casting right now, but apparently they saw something in this girl. I was hoping for, the girl from uh, Cockblockers, the uh, Viswanathan, I think is her last name. Um, I really wanted her. I thought she was fantastic to play um, Kamala Khan. But um, looks like they've got. Uh, and how how young is this girl? She looks super young. She looks young, man. Like fifteen, like fifteen or lower. She looks yeah. She looks younger than she's, fifteen to me. She's eighteen. She looks fucking young as shit. 
She looks like a small child. But like you like you said, man, like there's without having like an um an acting resume, man, like you're just going off of like potential. Yeah. Of yeah. like could she be great? Sure. But like could she be bad? And they're relying on this and um there's talks of this jumping into the MCU after the series. So it's like don't put all your eggs in one basket. What do you think, Steven? I mean, it's really hard to question Feige and everything that he's doing. Um, I know that there's been some misses. You know, Age of Ultron, obviously, is, is one that comes to mind. But with Feige overlooking all of this stuff, I just have to blind trust in everything that he's doing. I think that it's it's bold to to, to cast an absolutely fresh, brand new like almost anybody that gets cast these days, you can these days you can look up on IMDb and see that there's been like some credits of like five or six different little short films or indie films where this is this is not the case with her. And he sees something or they see something in her that that's that fits the mold. I mean, she's from Canada. So it's not like she's like directly from Pakistan, which is you know, Miss Marvel is a Pakistani uh, uh, character. Well, she's Pakistani American, um, right? I understand, but like she's well, she's from Canada. This actress, sure. So it's right. What I mean she is play like a Pakistani American though, based in New Jersey. Like that's not a huge stretch just because she's Canadian and she buys milks and buys milk and bags. Right, right, but like what I'm saying is like and eats, they completely and eats like poutine. went out. Go ahead, sorry. Eats, eats poutine. Gotcha. Yeah. They completely went out. <laughs> they completely went out and got this 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 actor yeah. here, and and they got it for a reason, and we're gonna see that reason play out in live action, yeah. and and that. I just have to have faith in, in what they're doing. I know, yeah. In Feige, we trust. I mean, that's really what we've got to say here. That it's like we got to trust Feige. Just cast the right person. That they saw something in her in the audition, and and uh, she's going to be Ms. Marvel going forward. And uh, we're probably going to watch it, and we're all going to love her. So we'll see. We'll see. But it's hard for me to get excited about somebody that I've never seen in anything before. I'm not going to get yeah. on here and be like, oh my god. Amon Vellani. Oh my god, I can't wait. I, I just, I haven't seen her act in anything. If they would have cast that, the Swan, this, the Swanathon girl that I'd seen in Cockblockers, she's also been in a few other things. She's in the, the new movie, uh, The Broken Hearts Gallery that's out in theaters right now. If they would have cast her, I would have been like over the moon because I think she's fantastic. I think she's got great comedic timing. She's a very, very good actor. And I've seen her in other things. I, I really like her, but uh, as far as like this unknown, it's I guess I got we just got to trust in Feige. I, this news that I got from THR's Heat Vision um, is very confusing. I want to try to break it down, and we'll try to figure out what exactly is going on here. Jamie Fox, who played uh, v- uh, the villain Electro in the Andrew Garfield starring uh, The Amazing Spider-Man 2 is in the final talks to reprise the role for the latest Spider-Man installment starring Tom Holland and being made by Marvel Studios and Sony Pictures. Story details are being kept under the mask, but having Fox return is a stunner as it shows a further melding of the previous Spider-Man movies into the current Holland series, which is the first one that has Marvel running point on production. A day after 
THR broke the news of Fox's casting. Uh, the actor confirmed on Instagram he was returning to the role. He said, quote, super excited to be a part of the new Marvel Spider-Man, uh, uh, super excited to be part of the new Marvel Spider-Man new installment. And I won't be blue in this one, but a thousand percent badass. And then he later deleted the post. Did you guys see the post with the picture that he put up? Yeah, I saw Winkler, did you get a chance to see the picture? No, what was the original picture? Okay, so he posted that, he posted that, um, and then he said, so he said, I won't be blue in this one, but I'll be a thousand percent badass. And it was a picture of like three Spider-Men, so it's like a multiverse Spider-Man, and then like off in the distance you see electricity and then the eyes of his Electro. Is that what you remember seeing, Steven? Yeah, kind of like a, a really weird tease to the, to the multiverse. I did not really understand why he put that out, but I mean, without digging into any Man. further here, like we can kind of figure out what's happening here. Yeah, but here's what's the. So are they introduced? I don't, I don't feel like they're introducing. Are they introducing the multiverse throughout this entire movie? H- have they already introduced the multiverse with the fact that we're, oh. that, hold on. Have they already introduced the multiverse into Spider-Man far from home when we got J. Jonah Jameson played by J.K. Simmons returning to the role? Is yes. that? I mean, yes, that, that's the, the answer to your question is yes. Okay. Okay. Because like, we could also just say that, well, like fans just thought he was so great in that role. Let's just bring him back as J. Jonah Jameson. No, because then you'd have to explain it. If, if you're going to do it, it's going to be a blatant act. Fans aren't stupid. You know, there's, there's a, there's a group of people out there that are just casual fans that just goes out and sees movies and then just, you know, forgets about it or whatever. But the, the, the big base of fans that they're really going to try to appeal to are people that are digging into all this shit. And they knew what they were doing when they put him up there but is on he, the screen. But is Electro, is Jamie Foxx's Electro, he's saying he's not going to be blue in this one. So is he coming back as the same Electro that we knew from Amazing Spider-Man 2? What I what I think is is here is, is a chance for Sony and Marvel and Feige um, to to show off that they can do everything better than you did it, and by by taking this character, I there's there's only one explanation to all of this is taking Jamie Foxx and moving him to Spider-Man three is to say is to show off. That, that's the only reason to show off that I can do what you did and do it better. And but, that's what's here's happening the, here, here. but here's the thing. The picture that he posted showed three different Spider-Men. Are we to believe from this picture that Jamie Foxx has read the script, number one. Number two, are we to believe that they might be introducing the multiverse into the Spider-Man universe – which we're gonna see in the Doctor Strange movie, but are we getting Tobey Maguire coming back into this? Are we gonna get Andrew Garfield playing Spider-Man again? Is, are they gonna go to those links to introduce the multiverse? 
is two different questions there. You're asking if, if, if the multiverse is going to be part of Spider-Man 3 or has Jamie Foxx been privy to like the bigger picture? Well, and I think that second part of that statement is, is, is the true part is that what's the big plan? Like when you approach Jamie Foxx and you say, Hey, can you come back for Spider-Man 3? Jamie Foxx has to be like, why? And like, look, let me explain to you what's going to happen. Here's what's going to happen in the next five movies. That's it. Yeah, but he also mentioned like he knows he's not going to be blue. Thank like, you. He That's kno- my whole point I mean? like, here. He knows like- what he knows what they have planned for him. So could this be just like another rendition of Electro? Yeah, like I was thinking to myself like at first before I even read that like oh maybe they'll just have Jamie Fox come back and play a guy that's saying he's like a supervillain named Electro and he's actually dressed comic book accurate and looks ridiculous and it's just a cameo appearance. But like yeah, but comic comic book accurate accurate what? Because because the blue Electro was from the Ultimate Universe. I'm saying comic book six one six. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, and that's the question. As as all these things starts to get muddled around, is is what are we talking about? Are we talking about the six one six? Are we talking about bringing in somebody? I, there's so much that that we don't know, and 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 will it will it make sense at the end of the day? It, will it make sense at the end of Spider Man three? I don't think we're gonna know much more than we know now at the end of Spider-Man 3. Yeah, my big thing here is that if they're, okay, we haven't answered anything. It sounds like we don't even know what the fuck is well, going on in this movie. It's like, he's saying, I'm, there's, THR is reporting he's coming back as Electro. He's not going to be blue in this one. So, we're, but we're still talking about the multiverse and the, his no. version in like whatever multiverse we would assume he was going to be coming back looking the same way he did in Amazing Spider-Man 2. He's saying that's not the case. But his picture that he posted showed three Spider-Men. Um, together and so like from that i'm assuming like okay we could get toby we could get andrew back like they could blend all these things together but then on the flip side like his electro is going to be completely new and i don't know and i i don't even know if i'm sold on the whole fact that jk simmons is the j jonah jameson that we knew from like the toby Maguire movies that that's an introduction to the multiverse i always just assumed that he was just so popular with fans that nobody they couldn't see anybody else's j jonah j jonah jameson that kevin feige hired him because of fan service and because he is perfect in that fucking role why not bring him back i don't but, but then again i don't know it could be our first look at the multiverse i have no idea what the fuck is going on and it doesn't help that this interview that Tom Holland did during uh, the Spider-Man Far From Home press junkets has resurfaced. I don't know if you guys have had a chance to hear this. or Did, did you guys watch that? I sent it to you. Yeah. Yeah, I saw it. He was very kind of like tight-lipped when they brought up the multiverse. I'm actually going to fucking play it, and I'll try yeah. to post the link to this on uh, the episode if I can remember but I do want to play this for everybody. He's super tight-lipped about it when he's asked about it, if it could ever happen. Hold on, let me play this. You know, uh, with Spider-Verse, which we got a couple of months ago, yeah. and then this film sort of touches on this idea of sort of the multiverse and kind of different people in different universes coming in. Uh, any chance there's a multiverse in which Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man and Tommy McGuire's Spider-Man and Spider-Man 
all meet together. Clashing. That'd be dope. And then you can sort of just say that everyone's <laughs> come from a different universe. But would you want that, though? Would you want that? Maybe that's a better question. Yeah. Would, would, you? would we want that? I mean, as a fan, I would. <laughs> <laughs> is your, is your oh, no man. answer an answer in and of itself? The thing about this film that's so exciting, right, is we take Spider-Man to Europe. And what's so cool about that is we've never <laughs> seen Spider-Man in Europe before. Now, of course, I'd love to make a movie with those guys. It's so cool. I was, I was like, oh, we're getting the junket answer. Oh, no, it'd be amazing. It would be really, really cool. And it's something that the fans really want. So whether Marvel and Sony decide to do that, um, or it's up to them. To do it. It's not up to me. I can't walk in like, Kevin, this is what we're doing on the next one. Yeah. Um, but it would be really awesome. Yeah, yeah so... I don't know. Like, did you guys see his reaction, his, like, body language, his face? He kind of, like, was looking at his castmates and almost like he knew maybe the direction it was going to go in and they couldn't say anything. He turned it into a big joke and tried to bring it back around to Spider-Man Far From Home and the plot there. But I don't know. It seems like this might have been in the works. Yeah, I I think... um all right. So with all of this going on with um, Electro and everything, if they were going to do the multiverse, I think it would be something huge, like another Spider-Man. I like. I think Electro might be a different rendition of him, just like J. Jonah Jameson. I think they are just different renditions, and then the big reveal of a multiverse would be another Spider-Man. I don't think they would do uh, a multiverse reveal on Electro. I keep thinking, like, this is like an end-of-the-movie type of thing if they introduce the multiverse, but I don't... Right, that's what I'm saying. Like, Spider-Man 3 is not going to give us the answers that we're we're talking about here. Sure, yeah. You know, but we'll... There's a lot of things to unpack there with that interview. It's if if it's the first time that he's hearing this and he's like, oh, like look look at his two castmates, look at Zendaya and and and, and Ned. I don't I'm sorry, I don't know the actor's name that plays Ned, but look at the way they're reacting. They're like, oh, that'd be dope. That'd be dope. Jacob you Batalon know? is his name. Sorry, yes, and and they're like, dope. That'd be dope. Like it's the first time they're ever like hearing it or thinking about it. But Tom Holland clearly has heard this before and is just trying to deflect. I mean, that, that, that's completely obvious in that, in that clip, because if it was the first time or even the second time or just a joke, then he would have just kind of went with the joke. But even Jacob Batalon says, Oh, is that what people want to see? Is that what people really want to see is the multiverse. And it's almost like, he's kind of like hinting that like, but don't don't forget. Before we saw Spider Man Two, we got a tease of the fact that this was going to hint to multiverse, and it turned out to be a joke. Remember, because Quentin Beck said that I'm from a different universe, yeah, which was a yeah, lie. Yeah, you know what I mean. So, so maybe that's what he's saying. He's hinting at this fake multiverse that's that's about to come up. But Tom Holland is, is 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 the only person in that room that's privy to stuff that's two or three moves ahead of everybody else. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think Tom Holland definitely knows of like future things to happen and everybody else just thinks it's a cool idea because it is. But Tom Holland knows like the uh the next move. I mean it, we're in the age of 
of of giving fans what they want, right? I mean, if the Snyder Cut is not evidence of that, I don't know what is. We're in a whole different realm of of and look at the the last uh, yeah, but Star Wars. fans are getting what they want right now with uh, the animated Spider Man with the Spider Verse. I mean, we're you know we're getting different uh versions of you know we're getting spider gwen we're getting all these things do they have to bring it into the mcu proper i mean, we're- I mean much, as much of a joke as it is the fans really do want to see andrew garfield and toby mcguire on the same screen together sure and i mean but we're already getting you know multiple batman on the screen together in the flash flashpoint movie Exactly. So, so, so that 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 door has opened. If you watch DC fandom panels, you saw um, them sitting there, sitting around talking about we're not going to worry too much about continuity. Well, what about this rumor of fucking uh, of uh, Tom Cruise showing up in uh, one of these multiverse movies as Iron Man? I mean, that was the big rumor that. Marvel Studios. Yeah, I read about that. Well, Marvel Studios originally wanted a bigger actor than Robert Downey Jr. John Favreau had to fight to get Robert Downey Jr. in that role. I know that sounds ridiculous now, but there was a time when studios wanted Tom Cruise to be Iron Man. And there was also a time where studios didn't want to work with RDJ. Well, exactly, because of the, the because of his past. And John Favreau had to fight to get Robert Downey Jr. in that role. I know it sounds ridiculous now because, like, what we've seen him do with that character and take that character from a B-list comic book character to, like, an A-lister in the films and then, like, you know. So it's – I don't know. I don't know. I don't even know where I was going. Yeah, and then you got to bring Nicolas Cage as Superman into the whole thing and, you know what I mean? Whoa. No, I mean that. That's just, is that where we're going here with this? That the fact that Tom Cruise is is going to play an Iron Man. I mean, uh, that, 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 honestly, that Tom Cruise thing just sounds like more. We got this covered bullshit. So I agree. That just sounds like we got this covered. Fucking trying to make a story, but you know, that's those are the questions that we're going to be asking before we actually see what we're going to get with uh, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Who knows what we're going to get? I mean, you talked about last week with the WandaVision trailer. I mean, you know, they keep pushing everything back, and I understand why, but WandaVision is, clearly seems like it's the show that's going to open everything up for the MCU. I mean, you mentioned you mentioned the House of M being hinted at at. at the WandaVision trailer and about that storyline where she says no more mutants. Mm-hmm. If you put a comma in there, it becomes no more mutants. <laughs> and all of a sudden she creates mutants. You know what I mean? So it's like whatever adaptation, whatever the way they want to go with this, we know that Scarlet Witch has the power to change everything. She has that level of power. And you know, the CW started this whole thing where we're bringing back random actors from the 1989 Batman movie to play in this crossover event, the Infinite uh, Crisis crossover event. And the success of that, you know, has opened up a lot of things 
in, in, in both DC and Marvel. I don't know if we've answered any questions here today. I think I just <laughs> I think I'm coming out of this more confused than I than I was going in. And I think that's their plan, to be honest with you. And I don't think Jamie Foxx's fucking Instagram post helped anything helped anything either. Yeah, why'd they take it down? If the three Spider-Mans have nothing to do with it, then why'd they take it down? Well, why would he just go out of his way to, like, post that, though? Like Exactly. <laughs> Is he some kind of, like, super nerd fan like the rest of us and just wants to see three Spider-Men? Or does he know something and then it got taken down? I think that second part of that scenario is the more likely one, right? A lot of people have just been hinting at that like, they're just building up this new um, uh, Sinister Six, which, I mean, I guess, you know, I think the Morbius movie, the Morbius movie trailer kind of hinted more at that when we saw, you know, Vulture, Michael Keaton's Vulture show up at the end of that trailer. You know, that they're still trying to build towards a Sinister Six, even after the failed Andrew Garfield movies, which... I don't know if you guys remember this, but like when you went and saw Amazing Spider-Man 2, you could use the Shazam app at the end of that during the song that was playing in the end credits. And it would, uh, the Shazam app opened up and it gave you hints about like the future of uh, the Spider-Man movies going forward. And there were six pictures that they posted. And so like they were hints at like the Sinister Six. I mean, they've been talking about building this Sinister Six universe for a long time, and I don't know whatever their deal is with with Marvel, how long that goes out. Um, but I I really think that Sony is trying to create their own thing. You know, they know that whatever deal they have with with Marvel, it's got it's 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 finite. It's 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 ending two or three movies from now. Or, you know what I mean? And they want to build their own thing. And they want to build up the, the, the hype and the success. And, you know, if they wanted to build the Sinister Six before and they want to build it now, I, I they have the characters. They have the Vulture. They have Scorpion. You know what I mean? They they have founding members of the Sinister Six. So it's it's there. I think they – didn't they work out another deal for at least two more movies, a solo movie and another Marvel appearance i think they're being proactive with this i hope that they keep it going i hope it's not finite i hope they look at this as like let's get these deals worked out before we get into ourselves we get ourselves into a situation where it's like iron man 3 where we don't know if we have robert downey jr coming back as iron man tony stark and we have to like you know, give an ending that could like be like the end of that character just in case we don't get this actor back I think I, I'm I'm glad that they're working out future deals with Marvel to get things done. Um, the quotes that I've that I had read from Amy Pascal was basically who's not with Sony anymore. I, she's not in that capacity anymore with them. But she I, didn't she say something like she wanted to keep working with Marvel for as long as they as they would. Uh, as, as long as they would work with her, I mean that's that's what I remember. I, I think it's just been a win-win for Sony. Like that, didn't the last Spider-Man movie make over a billion? It did, but I'm sorry. The, the the question that I have though is is that how fragile is this whole deal? If the fact that Tom Holland himself is the one that made it happen, 
you know what I'm saying? Like we're not talking about upper level people. We're talking about an actor within the movie is the one that made the phone call to continue the MCU's deal with Sony. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know how much stock I put into to all this stuff not working itself out if that story wouldn't have came out either. I think money talks. And I think as long as these are making billions of dollars that Sony and Marvel are going to continue to make deals with one another. I just think ego really gets in the way in these situations. And that regardless of the money, it's it's somebody who like who's Feige, who, who they trust in 100%. And and if, if his ego is not satisfied and he doesn't get the control that he wants because he's not going to put his stamp on something that's subpar. And Sony movies have been subpar. I understand that the Venom is beloved by a certain amount of people. But if you compare the movie Venom to, to almost any of the 23 MCU movies – it's it's like it's like an A versus B conversation. Yeah, but is Sony forcing that venom into the MCU? Are they basically saying no? We I, we've got something here that we want you to fucking put into the MCU. They're they're basically. I don't. I've never heard that. Like everybody's been able to have their cake and eat it too with this. Tom Holland's been able to stay in the MCU and uh, and 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 do his movies with Spider Man without. I've never heard any threat of like uh, you've got to include Tom uh, Tom Hardy's Venom into the MCU in some capacity. Like but they that's can, Sony's dream, though. Like that's is it? Have they said that? Have they have they come out and said that that we want like that's what they're pushing for? I think that they. I think that their dream is to bring Tom Holland Spider Man into. That Venom verse that we, that Venom movie that we saw, which could happen, but that doesn't mean that we have to bring Venom into the MCU proper. It can be MCU adjacent and still be connected by Tom Holland Spider Man. As long as anything is considered MCU adjacent, it's Sony admitting that they're inferior to Marvel Studios. Well, they and are, though. I understand that. But how long can you operate when you have you own the rights to to to, to Spider Man, the, the number one Marvel superhero? You own those rights. How long do you think that they can go on play? Okay, I'm fine being the the little brother in this situation, the running joke of of, of Sony movies versus versus MCU movies. Before they say, you know what? No, like we want to be part of this, or we're going to do our own thing and collect. But all they the money. are a part of it. The, the, Tom Holland Spider. Man is a part of the whole thing, but going forward, but going forward, I'm not talking about the ones, the two that have existed so far. I'm talking about going forward. We're talking about uh, forget Morbius, but we're talking about Venom too. You know, the the Sinister Six build up, the Craven, the Hunter, those things. It's that still they, it's still connected to the Marvel. It's still connected to Tom Holland Spider Man, which is a part of the Marvel Universe, which is still a big draw. You don't have to have the Sinister Six involved in the overall larger picture. In in every, just like when Spider Man joins the Avengers in the comic books, they don't have to battle Norman Osborn. He's off doing his own thing. And and battling may be a you know a different villain with the Avengers. 
it's he does it doesn't have to be a Norman Osborn story. That you can keep those two things separate, and it's not. I don't know if it's about Sony's ego when they're making billions of dollars off of Tom Holland's Spider Man being in the MCU. It's a, it's a, it's and the fact that like they are basically uh, getting Kevin Feige as a, basically as a free consultant. Yeah. On those movies and still making all of the profit. None of the profit is going to Marvel as far as I'm concerned with that. At least with the first deal that they had worked out, they, 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 they fucking paid for the movie and then they make all the profits. And then the same thing goes for like when Tom Holland is in the, is in the Marvel movies. Marvel made the movie. They make all the profits. It's like a win-win for everybody. Yeah, I just don't see five years from now Sony playing by those rules anymore. But I think they like hold the cards though. Like they get to dictate what happens like moving forward. You talking about Sony? Yeah. I agree. And I think that, that at some point ego kicks in and they say, you know what? Know, we're gonna do our talks, own though. thing and we're gonna try to do our own thing. We're gonna take all the toy rights and all the merchandising rights, which is obviously you know is a huge part of this whole thing. And we're gonna do our own thing and we're gonna make it. I just think that's as crazy. Good. I don't think that I of don't of course it's crazy. I don't think well, I don't see the reasoning in that. I don't see them I don't see them thinking I don't want Tom Holland to be a part of the next biggest fucking Marvel event that's going to come out. It almost happened. Rewind back to a year ago. I still think that that's bullshit. I still think it was all posturing. I I still think it's bullshit. I still think the story that Tom Holland made the call and all that crap, I still think a deal would have got worked out anyway. It just became Tom Holland made it public. I still I think, think I think ego is ego, man. I, I, think I it, really, really do, and I think that they think they can do it just as well. We know that they cannot. The public knows that it cannot, but they—they're not the us. They're in the moment. They're thinking they can do it themselves and make the money on it. And they're the ones that holds all the cards, like Michael said. They're the ones that hold the cards, and as long as they can produce something that's good. They can retain all the money and all the rights, and I do believe ego comes into play here. I just i i i dis i disagree. I i, I don't see them pulling the character back. I feel like they right would have already. I think like they'll the, keep they'll continue they know, to figure to work know. out. They'll continue yeah. to figure out how to make a deal work yeah. and keep Tom Holland in the MCU and keep him relevant. But I don't see that they feel like they. I don't think that they feel like they need to make like these side movies MCU proper because that Venom movie still made money anyway. It still did pretty damn well. I don't know. I just don't see the writing is on the wall yet. But Spider-Man wasn't in that movie. They're talking Spider- they're talking about Spider-Man showing up in the Craven film. And they're so- talking about it, but that's not you know what I'm saying? Like that's that's a deal they would have to work out with with Marvel, right? No. Well, they hold the cards. Why would Sony have to talk to Marvel about having they their character own, show it? They show own the right to do whatever the fuck they want. Kevin Feige's it's not. Marvel. That's why they are they're that's crazy what you're if saying. you don't think They're getting that. billions of dollars for this, though. Like, they're not going to. The reason they didn't pull off and do their own thing by now is because Marvel's doing it better. You're and crazy like if you don't think that they have to get permission from Marvel 
to do something with Tom Holland. And once that Marvel says, no, we don't approve, and they say, you know what? We're going to lay our cards down because we own this property. We're going to do what we want, and Tom Holland's, Tom Holland's ours. And Marvel says, good luck. Have fun. They don't want to play that. I don't card, see. Michael. I don't. I don't see this drama playing out the way that you see it playing out. I don't see. I. I like. I. I don't I think, think the writing a, is. Up. I think they like rely on each other. Like I think Sony relies on Marvel quite a bit. And like, I, I honestly I, I think that. I don't know. In far. In, hold on. Hold on. And I think in Far From Home, there's been a lot of like alluding to like either that building, uh, old Avengers Tower being the new Baxter building, or it could be Norman Osborn, his building. It could be Oscorp. But, like, you know, like, if it is the Baxter building, that's even just more of Marvel having getting into bed with Sony when it comes to these things. Not necessarily, because they can take that and just make it a Fantastic Four movie and have nothing to do with Sony. Right. Like, I mean, they just use that for a second because they have the rights to do that in the moment and then move forward with that. They don't need Sony's permission from now on to say, OK, now that ba- that, no, no, that is the Baxter building. I, no, what I'm saying, like if, if it is the if it does turn out to be the Baxter building and not Oscorp, it just it's just more of like Marvel kind of like saying like, yeah, we're in bed with you, Sony. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. Yeah, it's like we're on the same page. Yeah, I just I, I really want to fast forward to five years from now and and really think. Like I get what you're saying, it could turn ugly, but like I don't know, man. I really don't see that being like the case these next couple of years. I think like Sony knows what they have right now with the MCU, and I don't think like it's an issue right I now. Think it might Sony be Sony future. Wanted, I think Sony wanted probably a little bit more money, a little bit more sure. this, more that. And Marvel didn't budge and Tom Holland came out and said, you know, blah, blah, blah. He had to make the phone call and all that stuff. And I think, I think a deal would have got worked out anyway. I think money talks and everybody's winning. If everybody's winning, then there's no issues. Yeah. Well, I, like I said, I still disagree. I think the ego is a huge part of this, but I I mean, it's, I, I, there's no argument that it's a mutually benefit beneficial agreement. No argument whatsoever, but I think that ego definitely comes more into play here than you guys are giving credit to. I yeah, I just don't I, think I mean, anyone has the balls to stand up to MCU right now. Like MCU owns like the the market. There's no reason to like stand up against them. And like I don't know. I just think I don't know. I think Sony like knows that MCU is like the showrunner right now. I just, well, this is an unprecedented deal. You don't see this happen. You're not going to see this happen with DC. Warner Brothers owns all the rights to all those characters. So, I mean, we're not going to see – this is an unprecedented deal. I think to even – I guess for even me, the way that I feel, I think it's I, – I, I, maybe I shouldn't – I don't know. I don't – you know, maybe, maybe I shouldn't be so confident – that they're going to do this moving forward. But on the flip side, I, I don't think that you a hundred percent are correct in saying like, you know, Sony, their ego is going to take precedence here and that, that, uh, you know, they're going to try to force all these other stipulations and things like that with their whole universe being more a part of, you know, the MCU proper going forward that these, you know, Spider-Man adjacent stories have to be incorporated more into the MCU. 
I think that they they can keep these things kind of separate, just like in the comic books when when Spider Man joins the Avengers, he's off with their adventure. But Spider Man can also do his thing with Craven in the on the on the Sony side, or do his thing with Venom on the Sony side. It doesn't have to all like come together as one big kind of like story. It doesn't have to come together, but it has to be quality. And that's what Kevin Feige will not allow. Kevin Feige will not allow Tom Holland and the Spider-Man to be in a Craven movie and be a subpar movie. No, I mean, we've then, seen subpar movies from the uh, MCU, Iron Man 2. We've seen, you know, Avengers Age of Ultron. People can disagree. Thor The Dark World. But those are still part of the MCU. It it happens. Um I think as long as 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 Tom Holland's Spider Man is still like, you know, making audiences like, uh, I mean, what are we talking about here? Like, I think Kevin Feige like having the chance to like, if he does, you know, if he's still working as a consultant on these other movies, I think Kevin Feige can can work with pretty much anything and make and make gold out of it if he really wants to. If he's, yeah, you mean, know, I like, mean, Kevin Feige, I, I, I agree. Of course he can make gold into anything, but he also doesn't work for Sony's Sony studios. So. Yeah. But this year we're talking about the same guy that sat down with Amy Pascal just over lunch and gave her notes. This was not, he, she didn't pay him to fucking bring notes to that lunch when they got together for lunch and said like, these are no, after he watched the amazing Spider-Man or amazing Spider-Man two, him and Amy Pascal sat down and he gave her notes because they, I, I believe those two had worked together. They were partners when they worked together on the X-Men franchise for Fox. And yeah. this is like where she threw the sandwich at him. This is the story where she threw the sandwich at him. Um, he didn't have to do that. That was like he wasn't getting paid by them. He just he just did that. It's because he loves these characters. And so like if Sony has their own side of like the Marvel universe that they're working with, I won't I don't see that this guy not having notes on like what he could do to make those, you know, like if they're going to bring Tom Holland Spider-Man into the Morbius universe, into the Venom universe, into the Craven universe, I don't see Kevin Feige having notes. And them just saying, ah, fuck that. I, I see them working with him and then, and then trying to make even Morbius better. Like if Kevin Feige can work with Morbius, if Kevin Feige can work with, you know, the Venom character in a Spider-Man movie where those characters show up and make those characters better, that only benefits Sony if it comes to a Morbius sequel or a Venom sequel. Now people have watched those characters interact with the Tom Holland Spider-Man that we've seen in the MCU franchise. Does that make sense? I mean, it makes sense. The the only the, and the final thing I'll the final time I'll say this: is Michael Winkler said this perfectly. Is that that Sony holds all the cards? Michael Winkler says that Sony holds all the cards, and then yet says that MCU is the better company to make things and it's mutually beneficial at some point sony is going to flex their muscle holding all their cards and mcu is going to call their bluff and there's going to be a showdown and there's going to be a line in the sand just like we saw a year ago 
for however long ago, it was like eight months ago where we saw that happen. And as much as bullshit as you think that it is, that 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 scenario is going to is going to come out again. This is not a 20 year situation where we're going to see Marvel and, and Sony continue to work into, unless Disney buys Sony. But uh, until then, there's ego involved. Just like if Eric Lamb came to you, Brian, and says, hey, I got a good idea. I'm the winner of the podcast awards and I do everything better, but I'm going to show you that I can do things better. You tell them to go fuck themselves. And, and, and that's exactly the same situation. Sony at some point will flex their muscle. The MCU will say, okay, I'm calling your bluff. And Sony's going to have to make a decision one way or the other. That's it. We'll see. We'll see. I just see that like all the profit that Sony gets from Feige's notes on the Spider-Man movies, they get to keep and then vice versa. And I think it's been a pretty beneficial relationship for both of them. And I think Sony still gets to do 100% what they want to do, but they're still trusting people when it comes to even the Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, uh, the Spider-Verse movies. They're still trusting Lord and Miller to make a great movie there. I mean, they're still trusting other people. I think this is just because it's like crossing over into a different studio. They're, 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 they're trusting Kevin Feige. It's almost like, it's almost like Kevin Feige is, is working for them, but like on the flip side, he's not, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm in the weeds right now with this statement. Um, so I'm just going to pull myself out and hopefully somebody, we, we've been in the weeds. I think. We've been in the weeds though. I, I think I've been smoking. My weed. anxiety is like so high. <laughs> 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 I think we're yeah we're done with Marvel news. We'll see, and I could be wrong. We in five years, you could, your scenario could be played out, and fucking they could be everybody could be reneging on this whole deal, and we could see Tom Holland Spider Man go away. I guess I'm just uh, a little bit more optimistic because of like I think, and I the reason I think my whole reasoning is because money talks, and I think yeah. that everybody's been making money hand over fist because of this deal and as long as these movies keep making the money that they're moving that they're making i don't see any reason for sony not to continue making these deals with with marvel studios i mean that's very logical that's exactly money talks that's that's all you need to really to money know. talks bullshit walks um money talks bullshit oh, okay yeah love that song mm. dc news i don't know what do we got I don't know. We're getting a Batman fucking Spotify scripted podcast. Did you see what? that? Yeah, Dark Knight trilogy. Co- this comes from uh, Dark Horizons. Dark Knight trilogy co-writer David S. Goyer has penned the story for Batman Unburied, a DC Comics inspired narrative podcast that marks the first production of the Warner Brothers and Spotify deal announced in June. Uh, set to release in 2021, the new podcast will explore the darker aspects of Bruce Wayne's psychology. Goyer will also executive produce the podcast. In a statement, he says, I've been a fan of narrative podcasts for some time and was looking for the right story. Returning to Batman seems like the perfect opportunity. We'll also be using the unique advantages of audio to dig into the more nightmarish members of the Dark Knight's rogues gallery. Uh, more DC scripted podcasts are likely to follow. So I know that, um, you know, Marvel had that Stitcher deal, uh, with the, with the Logan 
podcast. Uh, Black Widow. Um, I think there's been a Black Widow, Thor, and an upcoming, if not yet released, Black Panther podcast, scripted podcast that, that's been on Serial Box. Um, and now we're going to be getting, it looks like, a Batman uh, podcast here from Spotify sometime in 2021. I'm excited. Yeah, dude. Listen, give me any like more material of um, my favorite characters, especially Batman. Give me some audio material. Like I'm always looking for something to listen to, man. Like for real. Like I think this is the uh, next wave for. You know, obviously, there's always going to be, you know, comics and all that, but you need to put something out for people on the move, man. Let's get uh, some audiobooks on the roll, which is pretty much what podcast is. Let's be real here. Fucking Spotify making some big moves here. What are they? They signed Rogan, and now they're doing this. $100 million deal. Yeah, did you hear that they felt bad about doing that deal? They feel like they overpaid. Yeah, after after he fucking made some comments or whatever. But moral of the story is like, but they also signed the Ringer too, which is like a really well known, well respected like sports broadcasting company. So it's like they're, they're I, probably, I feel like they know what they're doing. I think they're they're probably gonna sign that Eric Nam guy who won that podcast award. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck nah, dude. They'll be lucky to have you, dude. Fuck that guy. <laughs> they, they would, they, oh god. Well they would offer us like five dollars. Five bucks. Here you go. No, they'll, they'll offer us like free Spotify for a year. <laughs> and then after that, nine ninety nine a month. <laughs> then after that, then after that, then we'll have like this whole like Sony Marvel Studios feud. <laughs> Dude, it's the K-pop PCL fucking battle royale. There's, there's no battle. Like we, we're dead. We there's no, there's literally we just get trampled. I think I could take like seven K-pop guys. <laughs> you probably could. Yeah, like physically, but not on the not on the internet. You couldn't. No, we're talking physical. <laughs> yeah, not on the internet, yeah. bro. You get you get buried on the internet. They would hashtag you the shit the shit out of you. Oh bro. my god. Yeah, this guy's got <laughs> 1.5 million followers. We're done. I've got 1.5 followers. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Rick Moran is one of them. Rick Moran, yeah, it's like, uh, yeah, he bought apples from me. <laughs> Bro, if your your followers are Rick Moranis and Tony Danza, like you, you win. I'm sorry, you beat the 1.5 million K-pops. I bet it. I bet the guy that hit hit Rick Moranis was was Winkler, and he said, "How do you like them apples?" <laughs> I had the story the whole time. I had the story the whole time. <laughs> oh, man. I'm done. Fuck this episode. I'm fucking done. I'm done. Are you guys done? I'm fucking done. I'm done. I feel like I've just been, like, giggling this this whole episode. That's my only contribution. Is no, man. Giggling. You know what I love about this is, like, uh, you stood up to me and you fucking, you, yeah. you didn't know, man. I hate it when fucking people fucking, like, puss out and they fucking, like, bend to my fucking and you didn't. You were like, no. Sony's, Sony's a bunch of money-grubbing cunts and they're gonna fucking... fucking talk suckers, man. 
after it's a dick measuring contest, and yeah, they're bringing a four inch cock to the to the to the table, and Kevin and Kevin Feige's <laughs> plopping that ten incher down on the table, but still, they're going to stand up for themselves. That ten incher. That, that tenancy coming from former Captain America star Chris Evans. <laughs> Dude, that's like the oh. third episode in the row that Chris Evans' dick has been brought up. I know. Yeah, it's a reoccurring joke. Oh. Ah. <laughs> what was that? I mean, if, if the episode was sponsored, if the show was sponsored by Chris Evans. Sponsored dick. by his cock. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Chris Evans' penis. For all your freedom fighting penis needs, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> freedom fighting penis. <laughs> oh, man. All right. I'm fucking done. Hey, uh, Stephen, where can people find you? Yeah, I'm on the, you alluded to it a couple episodes now, and I really appreciate that. We are on the, uh, me and Neil Thollander on the Smorgasbord podcast. Uh, we are. Basically everything Star Trek. Currently, we are doing the lower decks, uh, you know, episode watches and breakdowns, and it's a lot of fun, man. Neil is is fun to talk to, and I know he's going through a lot of stuff right now out there right now with the with the fires. But uh, when I do get a chance to speak to him, we have a really good time, and we always say, oh, we're going to have the episodes to be about an hour, but ends up being a couple hours, so. I really enjoy that. That is the Smorgasbord podcast. You can find that on the on the all your podcast platforms. You can email us on smorgasbordpod at gmail. I don't know how many people are actually listening, which is a goddamn shame because it's a great it's a great podcast. Um, you can also find me on my Instagram, Minor Keys Comics, where I do uh, comic book sales and just show off my personal collection. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Do you think radio stations, local radio stations in California where the fires are going on, are talking about, like, uh, not playing Billy Joel's We Didn't Start the Fire? That is definitely something that's been banned. Do you think, Absolutely. yeah, do you think, like, it's like, like guys, like, like we have this in the rotation typically, but, like, right now we're not going to be playing this shit. Any okay. song that has anything to do with fire, 100% has been banned. Yeah, like Prodigy's Firestarter. I'm the fire starter. Dude, I just heard that song on the radio for the first time in like 20 years. <laughs> I bet you Winkler has no idea what that song is. I'm the Firestarter. Did you see Zach Efron's going to star in that Firestarter remake? Dude, absolutely. That's going to be great. Fuck right. Do you think so? Do, do you like the uh, Drew Barrymore Firestarter movie, Stephen King adaptation? I did. I did too. I did, I did too. Oh, it was I liked a great it. movie. Yeah, I liked, I liked it when I was a kid. I haven't watched it. I probably haven't watched it in 20 years. Do, do you know what you, Winkler, you, are you familiar with Firestarter? Proud of you. Yeah. Wait, 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 wait. Are wait, you really? The, what, the movie? No, dude. You see what I told you? See what I mean? He doesn't know what Firestarter is. Hold on. I got to play this fucking song. You've never heard. You never heard fire. I'm the fire starter. Dude, that was high school. 100% that was high school. Dude, I was all, dude, I was all into Prodigy, man. They were fucking Ooh. awesome, dude. I was all into diapers. Yeah. <laughs> I was a fire. What other Prodigy song was there? Uh, there was, uh, 
poison. I got the poison. I got the remedy. And then, oh, there was that other one. Um, breathe. Remember breathe? breathe with me. Yeah. Oh, what about smack my bitch up? <laughs> Change my pitch up. <laughs> smack smack my, bitch my bitch up. up. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Dude, Prodigy was amazing. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Yeah. Yeah. yeah! I just I just threw my can of hard sized seltzer around uh, over the room. I just threw my cat across the room. Oh shit. When are we gonna get to the fucking lyrics? No, hopefully you get it. Hopefully never. It's a thing, okay. Yeah. Oh shit, Winkler, you missed out on the nineties. Fuck. Yeah. Hey, you got another 30 minutes for the... <laughs> yeah, before the lyrics here. Michael, do you not know this song at all? Yeah, I said, was it in Mortal Kombat? I'm no. Like very uncomfortable. <laughs> hey Brian, play, dude, play, smack my bitch up. Oh shit, hold on. Change my pitch up. Smack my bitch up. Winkler might oh, actually my- know that one. <laughs> oh shit! Oh shit! <laughs> I haven't heard this in forever. Yeah. <laughs> The glow sticks are coming out right now, Brian. Yeah, no shit. It's the kind of song that you hit like 120 driving on the highway listening to. Winkler, you really don't know this song? No. This is about to drop right here. Oh Ooh. shit! I'm feeling it, though. Change my pitch up! Smack my pitch up! Smack my pitch up! Oh, you got to go around! <laughs> yeah. Dude, didn't the lead singer die? What? I'd imagine so. Yeah, dude, the lead singer, lead singer of Prodigy died like last year. I said I would imagine so. <laughs> Change my pitch up. Um, I think he died last year. Hold on. Let me Google this. Hey, hold shit. on. Let's look this up. Yeah. Dude, that was the song uh, in Dom Toretto's car when he pulled up in the first uh, Fast and Furious movie. Keith Flint. Is that what he pulled up and he bought apples from you? 
Oh yeah, big time, dude. We uh we ran the Apple stands at the uh, Street Racing Syndicate. Dude, suicide? Wow. Oh, is that what happened? That's what it says. Oh, I didn't. Death know. of prodigy Keith Flint. Fuck, suicide. Brian. Way to kill the mood. Wow. I thought he caught himself on fire. <laughs> dude, he Jesus hung him. Fuck. He hung himself. <laughs> Sorry. Ow. <laughs> dude, he's he hung himself like that guy from uh, the Gangs of London. <laughs> he did not. He hung himself and lit himself on fire. No, he did not. And it was not a rot- auto asphyxiation or whatever the fuck. <laughs> All right, we're done. That's it. Listen to Smorgasbord. Come on. Let's play a bunch of other 90s music. All right, from yeah. When we were in high school for like the next two hours. When I was in high school, Britney Spears Toxic came out. What year did you graduate, Winkler? Oh, six, I think. What the Jesus fuck? Christ. Yeah. As soon as you said, oh, I was out. What year did you graduate, Stephen? Same as you, probably. 96? 90, I graduated in 96, yeah. yeah. So even if I said, oh, one, that's only five after you. So I were you already out at, oh. Yeah, but you're a fucking cunt. So. Oh, my God. <laughs> that's hurtful. Wow. Oh, my God. I thought I was going to be. Cross that off of your fucking bingo list. Yeah. I thought I was going to be the one that called Winkler a cunt this episode. I didn't think you were gonna do that. That was, that was, <laughs> <laughs> that was inappropriate, Wiggler. I'm sorry. Wow, I, I think an apology is needed. I'm very sorry, Winkler. It, it was the vodka talking. No, it's all right. I am a kind. Yeah. Anything in O, oh, anything is is your baby. Oh man. I think this episode's the ultimate cunt. Let's uh, wrap this fucking cunt of yeah, episode I'm, I'm up. Cry. Oh, Aww. st- oh, Jesus! Don't do this. I'm no, I'm totally just fucking around. This dude. fucking. Right, I, I um, feel sorry for me. Bullshit. I've had enough of this shit oh my, with people. Oh my effing shit! I was just joking. I just gotta call a cunt, bro. I was just joking. <laughs> You're watching way too much of the boys. Change man. my I'm pitch sorry. up. Smack my smack winkler my up. <laughs> smack my winkler up. <laughs> All right, guys. Wait, wait, hold on, Brian. I'm What's so up? sorry. What's I'm up? looking up the Billboard Top 100 of 1996. Yeah. Do you know what number one was? What is the it? The whole year. Well, oh god, it better not be that. Uh, where did all the cowboys go? <laughs> Dude, it's, 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 it's much oh worse God. than anything that you can think of. What's that? It is Macarena. Macarena. Oh, Macarena. Yeah, yeah that makes yeah. sense. Then we got One Sweet Day by Mariah Carey. I don't know. She used to be a smoke show, man. What the fuck happened? I still love her little Christmas song that she sings. Oh, I love her, dude. She puts on that little Santa cap. Oh, that's a great song. It's a great fucking. That whole song. album was great. Yeah, really good. Dude, the crossroad, the crossroads by Bone Thugs and Harmony was number seven. Ah, uh, oh, I used bone to thug- love that fucking song. Boom, 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 boom. I like, uh, I like that Bone Thugs and uh, Biggie. Tell me what you gonna do? Oh, it's it- my Uncle Charles now. Ah, uh, Stephen, you just. Sorry. You got the voice of an angel, sir. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I want you to just tuck me in at night and sing to me. <laughs> hey, that can be done, dude. Dude, that reminds me of like a wedding singer when Adam Sandler like, I want to fucking kill myself. 
<laughs> I, I'm on Ride That Train by Quad City GJs. I didn't know if you sung that or if that was the lead singer of Prodigy. Anyway, um, that was inappropriate. Guys, um, we're going to wrap this one up. Just like all good leftovers say on their doggy bags, thank you for your patronage. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Jake will be back. Thank God. See ya. <laughs> see ya. Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a T-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless, but I didn't say that. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat, but it's all been done before. We don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Gonna toss it, gonna taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's race it, clean it, race it, let's embrace it. Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over, counterculture, pushovers. Pop culture. Leftovers. And uncool kids. What's to say's already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Podcasts that are original and good. I've already been done before, so we should Separate the wheat from the shaft And we're the shaft The crap, even though we're the shit Woo! We're the leftovers picking up the scraps Dropped by the cool kids it, it, It's a trap Gonna toss it, gonna taste it Do we love it? Hey, let's fix it, clean it, race it Let's embrace the Tupperware party Subculture spill over like a vulture Carry over, counterculture, pushover Pop culture Leftovers And with the uncool kids What's to say has already been said Leftovers Pretty sure that the only talent Is the band that's singing this Pop culture leftovers Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't embrace it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture, pushover, pop culture. Leftovers. Uncool kids. What's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers.